This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Oh, no. We just had a disaster. A total disaster. After the story in the paper today of a woman bitten by a scorpion she found in some Tesco bananas. We've been eating some grapes this morning. The producer just found a spider in there. And the worst thing is, it's got a white markings on its back. And now he's dropping hints that I might have eaten the eggs of this spider. And they might be hatching inside me. And I might be eaten up by the end of the programme. God! Talk about trying to ruin your day. I feel quite ill. I said you should throw them away. And he said, no, 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 they're fine. They'll eat anything, of course. Uh, The worst dressed man, uh, following on from yesterday, is Lewis Hamilton. What did I say four weeks ago on this programme? Here's a man who obviously gets dressed in the dark. Look like a complete buffoon. And the fat dogs at Crufts. It's a lovely story. Uh, also, Emma Geddon. Emma, it's not a person. It's the uh, the TV series. They're going to have an explode. Don't touch the spider. It might be lethal. It might. It might because because sometimes spiders like this grow and they eat human beings. And they're man-eating spiders. They might look little, but believe you me, they're like snakes. They can dislocate their jaw and they could they could eat your hand. I should imagine. Can you imagine? I bought these the other day in good faith in Marks and Spencers. And there's a, if I'd known there was a spider in there. And it can't have crept in since I've opened them because I only opened them this morning. Oh, Lord. That's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Where do you think they've come from? I don't even know where, where, the, um, where the grapes came from. Oh, God. I feel quite awful about it. Anyway, trust you well. How are we this morning? Fantastic. I'm particularly chipper, particularly good, because I banned two people yesterday. That always makes me feel very happy. I don't, uh, I don't suffer with idiots and rude people and uh, anybody who's slightly off kilter. Uh, and so... Oh, don't tell me you hate spiders. Is it has a spider eaten all the grapes already? Look at it. I can't believe Wow. Darren's scared of spiders. Now we know the weakness. Now we know the weakness. We will play on that at Christmas when we bring in one of those spiders where you squeeze the, the thing at the end and it jumps a little bit. I've been eating those grapes. That's what worries me. I shouldn't have eaten them. Is it still in there? Is it dead or is it alive? We're not sure whether the spider's dead or alive now. It's like it's wandering around. Kill it. Kill it. Oh, sorry. I'm sounding quite masochistic now, aren't I? Kill the spider. Yeah, but it, it might not survive in our climate. It might have come from somewhere hot, like... Well, I don't... The, the, the top is on the table out there. I ripped the top off. So I don't know what's on it. It'll, it'll say Marks and Spencer. I'm assuming from Cape Town or something like that. What deadly spiders do they have? I don't know why I'm assuming they come there. I feel all queasy in case I've eaten the mate of that spider. There might have been two of them. They might have been living in those grapes. I thought one of them looked like it had been a bit bitten. That's what it is, isn't it? Of course, we're now going to have to identify the spider, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Right, what do we have in the paper? Well, apart from this, I must tell you yesterday. I must tell you yesterday. Because uh, I left here yesterday morning, all good faith. And I go back to Waterloo Station. And Waterloo Station's got about 24 platforms. But uh, anything after 19 is only used as an overflow. Platform 19 is traditionally the platform that the Reading train leaves from. And the Reading train leaves about three times an hour. And you can almost guarantee that if you get on the train on Platform 19, it's going to go to Reading and it's going to be the fast through through to Twickenham. 
which is where I live. And, um, and so I get on the train, and there's nobody on it. So I always make sure, if I'm sitting on a train where there's nobody getting on it, I like to have an individual seat. And they've got a few individual seats in the carriages, and you don't have to worry about sitting next to anybody who's going to start doing their makeup or faffing around or putting their feet on the seats or anything like that. So I was quite happy. And so I was sort of sitting there, and a few people got on. And, um, and then, as, as it was nearly about to leave, which I think was about ten past eight or something, a few more people got on. And I'm thinking, there's quite a lot of people on this train, which is a bit unusual. Anyway, we sort of uh, set off, trundling out of the station on our journey. And the, uh, the guard comes on and goes, Hounslow. I thought, oh, no. And uh, Hounslow's all right for me, but this is Hounslow with Isleworth and Zion Lane thrown in, which means I'm heading on the wrong route. I'm near where I'm going. And so I'm thinking, right, how do I get out of this one? So I'm sitting there. We get to Vauxhall. The train fills up. And I'm thinking, very unusual. I've been on the on the Hounslow train before. You never get that many people on it. Then we pull into Clapham Junction. Well, it was at that moment it became rammed. I mean, I've seriously never seen... So many people on a train. I thought, and this isn't even a Reading train. This is a Hounslow train. And nobody goes to Hounslow unless you're desperate or you want to revisit your hubcaps. And so I was thinking to myself, where are these people going? So we sit there and we're sort of trundling along. And then they they start talking. Where are they from? Where are they? Where are they from? Where, where, Where are the grapes from? Oh, God, they'd be from somewhere dreadful, is it? Is it? Egypt. Oh, that's it. We're, we're going to die. We're going to die. They've, they're from Egypt, are they? Oh, no, that's terrible. Oh, God. Don't keep eating them because there might be eggs in one of those in one of those things. And then you, what you're doing is those little spiders eat the inside of the grape, which then goes in your tummy and then it grows a tree. And then out of the tree, <laughs> you get more grapes. And so it goes on. It's like the old earwig story again. Oh, God, I'm feeling all creepy. Look at the, the hair on my arm has stood up on end. I say the hair because I've only got the one hair on my arm. I'm the least hairy person you're ever likely to meet. Anyway, so I'm on the train. So anyway, so all these people get on there. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute, because he said this train is bound for Waterloo. And of course, I then realise what a lot of trains do is they do a big, a big circle. So I thought eventually we're going to hit Twickenham. And sure enough, we did. But this train is rammed with people. I've never seen so many people. And it's going to Hounslow. And I couldn't work. I thought perhaps it's a convention. We get to um, Brentford. And a load of people get off at Brentford. I thought, why on earth would you get it? There's nothing in Brentford. It's a dump. There's nothing in Brentford apart from second-hand washing machine shops and things. Oh, ghastly place. You Literally, you get through Brentford as quick as you can. Even the local town hall got turned into flats, which was a local town hall, which then became a courthouse, and now it's flats, which is quite posh. It's the only posh bit. The rest of it is a dump. And so and then we get to Zion Lane, and then everybody gets off. Now, Zion Lane is in the middle of nowhere. It's technically known as Gillette Corner, because Gillette used to have a big factory there until they closed it years ago. And United Biscuits used to be there, which I know very well, because I used to work for their radio station, and now that's where Sky News is. Anyway, this whole train disgorges. I've never seen so many people get off a train. And I couldn't work it out until later I suddenly worked out. There's probably people who work for Sky, probably people who work for Smith, Klein, Beecham. There's lots of big places around there. And that'd be them. But I've, seriously, I must remember in future to avoid the train because it was so full of people, so full of people. And uh, so today I'm determined to get the right one back. And I was going to have an interview today, as you remember, with Michael McIntyre. But that's now been put to tomorrow, which is a bit inconvenient don't, don't, don't get me wrong, not inconvenient. It's only inconvenient regarding the timings. 
because I think you'll find that Michael McIntyre is in at 9.30, and I've got another interview at 10 o'clock. Phil Daniels is coming in at 10, so I've got them both on the same day, which suits me fine. Looking forward to talking to both of them. Guess who I was offered? Guess who I was offered again, as if I was ever likely to do it? Keith Lemon, as an interview. I don't think so. I really don't think so. I really... I don't think he's LBC's target audience. I don't think he's anybody's target audience. And the other one, Sarah Harding, for about the umpteenth time. As if, in anybody's dream, I'm likely to be having Sarah Harding in. God, blimey. Uh, The Lewis Hamilton story, I said ages ago. Something happened to Lewis Hamilton. He became very... Flamboyant would be a fairly good word, wouldn't it, to wear with his clothes. Yesterday we had the very girly shirt, which meant that he couldn't get into Wimbledon because he didn't follow dress code. And probably, you know, if you were going off to sort of stand in a bar, it would probably look fine. But at Wimbledon, it didn't look fine at all. And uh, I just think he's lost his way. I think he's getting dressed in the dark. Or some some poncy fashion designer has said, wear this stuff. Because they've said in the papers today exactly what I said four weeks ago. Is this the worst dressed man in Britain? And the answer is yes. He is quite simply the worst. I've never seen anybody who cannot dress properly. It's the most ludicrous outfits for a racing driver, I ask you. And then somebody took me to task. I was sort of saying, you know, he's a very successful racing driver. And I thought, nobody's we're not talking about his racing driving. This was somebody who was a bit medicated up, I suspect. We had a lot of medication yesterday on the programme. But as I say, we managed to get rid of them, which I think solves all the, all the problems. So I was much happier about that. And uh, now I'm thinking about legal advice. Everybody's thinking about legal advice at the moment, aren't they? I'm thinking about legal advice. George Michael's team are thinking about legal advice after his cousin, who apparently he's not seen for ages, was making all these allegations in one of the Sunday papers, and he said it's not true. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think that George Michael does have issues to deal with in his life, but that's his life. It's it's up to him what he wants to do. If he wants to, to smoke marijuana, that's his business. I couldn't care less. doesn't affect my life. Well, it does if he's driving his car, which is slightly disturbing, but apart from that, I couldn't care less. He's, you know, he's big enough and he's ugly enough and he's old enough to be able to decide what he... You're going to empty the spider out the window, aren't you? You're going to empty the spider out the window. You've already done it. <gasps> It'll probably grow down there. There's probably enzymes. No, you shouldn't kill it. I think it'll probably end up killing us, but that's in a few years' time, when it's grown to be the size of, of a small mammal, I think. It'll probably... It'll be one of these things. Did you ever see... What was that film? Godzilla. Did you ever see Godzilla? I remember watching Godzilla, and it was and in in one one scene of it, they go into I think it was the football stadium, and there's all these eggs which are hatching. That I didn't think it was terrible. Night. I thought it was a fairly current film. I thought it was very accurate, and uh, it wasn't. And they had all these eggs in there, and they start. It was very good. What are you talking about? It was a really good film. It was an award-winning film, I think. It was. God, 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 Godzilla was actually played by a distant cousin of Godzilla. Because Godzilla like really exists and is on the on an agency's books, and they uh, and they put and then all these eggs were hatching and they went there and they went, wow, that was like Jurassic Park. When I first watched Jurassic Park, that poor man on the toilet who got to take. I mean, honestly, that's the biggest shock you can ever have, isn't it? And the latest one looks brilliant. Because I'm firmly of the opinion that they could recreate Jurassic Park. I sometimes feel like I'm working in it, but uh, because because dinosaurs like exist existed, except if you're ultra orthodox Jewish, in which case they didn't exist. And it's all made up. It's all very confusing. Somebody the other day was talking about... What were they talking about? Oh, that's right. The fact that they believe that God created heaven and earth and all that's in it. Which meant, and this is what I couldn't quite get my head around, that if people believe in the Bible... And I don't want to really go down this route. It's not my my kind of conversation at all. But if people really believe in the Bible and they're anti-gay 
they're quite clearly um, blasphemers because God quite clearly must have created gay people the same time as he created straight people, the same time as he created African and Chinese and Spanish and everything. He created every single person in his own image. So he must have created gay people at the same time, which kind of sort of puts uh, puts to bed the the myth that you get sort of a lot of people going, well, of course, I'm Christian and I'm uh, I, I don't agree with homosexuality. We think you should do. Should do. It was going on in biblical times. Must have been. Quarter past four. Morning, everybody. It's 4.20. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. This is the programme everybody listens to. Not if you've got a phobia about spiders this morning. Because, frankly, I mean, I'm sitting... I've said to him, because he threw it out the window. Okay, just th- I said, you wait till this thing crawls back in and drags us all back to its nest and wraps us all up in that stuff that they spin their webs in and we're sort of left there looking like some reject from a Hammer horror film. You know, then I should be turning to the producer going, and you said it wasn't harmful. And he'll be saying to me, it'll get a bigger meal out of me than it will out of you, skinny boy. And it's the kind of thing, I can see the scenario unfolding. I'm going to be dragged by this spider down the corridor as it wraps its, uh, its web all around me and saves me for a meal for later in the year. With Nick Ferrari at breakfast, acting Labour leader Harriet Harman. Uh, should she really be supporting the Tory welfare cuts? They'll be speaking to Queen legend Dr Brian May on why he's leading a protest on Parliament and hear from a man whose T-shirt got him in trouble with the police. Gutahari, Director of Communications at News UK, will be looking at the papers today. That's all with Nick Ferrari from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. It's uh, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Everything you've heard about the programme is true. I'm sorry if you're a bit spider-phobic this morning because I'm, I'm really kind of... I'm not... I mean, seriously, I'm just... I'm acting. I'm not really bothered about it. <laughs> right. I should be bringing in spray tomorrow. I don't want anything. It's bad enough seeing mice boxes around the building. 50 Cent has filed for bankruptcy. Whoopie-doo! I was a bit excited by that. I was a bit excited by that. I thought to myself, you do get a lot of stupid people in the music industry, and it's generally people who've got a huge amount of money. He's filed for, I think, between 32 and £100 million. £100 million. Uh, this is after he was uh, being sued over a sex tape he put online. So, uh, silly little girly boy, you know, d- covered in dripping jewellery, I ain't got a dime. Well, ha, 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 ha. I have no sympathy at all. All. No sympathy at all. He's been found guilty of posting a lewd footage in order to embarrass his rap rival Rick Ross, who had a child with her. And uh, this is uh, Lavonia Leveston. And uh, the artist, his real name is Curtis James Jackson III, or as we prefer to call him, Fool. And uh, he's issued papers just days after he was ordered to pay 32 million, 3.2 million. And so, string of lawsuits, falling fan base, despite more than 30 million album sales worldwide. Apparently, out of 13 singles he released last year, not one made it into the US top 100. Oh, diddums. You are a failure. Congratulations. Uh, there's a story of, um, of a bigamist today, and it's a bigamist you know. It's a bigamist you know. And he's called Cissé. This is Papis Cissé. He's a bigamist exposed on the front page who got his first wife pregnant at 13. I had to read it twice as well. He got his... So he's a paedophile too. He was having sex at 13. Um, apparently, Adia Sinithior was 14 when she had his son in Senegal, where the age of consent is 16. Sisse, now 30, later wetter. They never divorced, making his marriage in May to Dalio Awa bigamous. 
He was having sex with a 13-year-old girl? They're going to be pelting you with rotten cabbages from the terraces. If that story is true, they they kind of just... I mean, as opposed to going, he had sex and she had a child at 14. He's a paedophile. What's the difference whether you're a footballer or whether you're a a person off the television? What difference does it make? You're a paedophile. You should go to prison. You're a pervert. It's ridiculous. They've got pictures of of all these sort of women and this man here. And uh, to keep him out of trouble, they changed the... She said, we changed the date of the son's birth to keep him out of trouble. What? This man is disgusting, you know, in the first order. So he's got wife number three now, I think, and lots of different girlfriends. He's just a dirty person. Very dirty person. Ugh, can't bear him. Can't bear him. Uh, what else we got? Um, we got... Uh, oh, it's a, a girl of ten. Left with horrific blisters and third-degree burns. And she became the latest victim of a huge toxic plant spreading throughout Britain. Uh, this is this uh, giant hogweed. I have to be honest. You know when you're a kid, you go through fields and you pick things and dock leaves and nettles. Oh, nettles we used to hate. We had shorts on. That was a that was a dreadful sort of thing there. But this toxic hock, uh, hogweed, if you touch it, you get sores from it. It's obviously a plant that can look after itself. And uh, this was in Lanarkshire. Anyway, this, this poor little girl here is still taking heavy-duty painkillers and heavy-duty cream to try and stop it. See, I don't ever remember things. When I was younger, you can't remember that, can you? If, you, if you ever got anything that affected you badly. But there are quite a number of things out there. Parsnip. Sap from the leaves can cause blistering. Spurge. Sap can be a severe irritant. Rutter. Oil and leaves can cause blistering. Oleander. If you eat it, not that I think you should, can cause vomiting and seizures. Uh, flannel bush. Prune using gloves, because it can cause burns. And pokeweed banned in america so there's lots of these plants out there but if you see them you wouldn't kids wouldn't automatically think oh that's going to be a bit dangerous but of course there are lots of plants that have an inbuilt system to to make themselves you know unavailable to the public who want to pull the blooming things down makes it a lot easier doesn't it uh, ian says uh, my dad is also a lewis certainly not boring or badly dressed though i did laugh yesterday as he thought you said cheryl flagpole no <laughs> cheryl spagpole how we laughed. Anyway, his dad, Lewis, the meerkat. So there they are. But it's true, isn't it? There's, there's, I love all these sort of funny things which go on. I watched a programme last night called Police Rookies, Steve, says Malcolm. I thought the police were downsizing, but this training school in Lincoln was taking training officers on by the score. What's the government playing at? Well, I, I don't want to see any of these people culled. I want to see more police officers. I seriously do. I want to see loads and loads of police officers on the streets. And... Um, why are there lots of gambling and bingo adverts on the box, says Mark? I don't know. I suppose because and the argument is that you're supposed to be able to make up your own mind if you want to do it. And they always put a disclaimer on saying, you know, it is your responsibility. Uh, it's like drinking adverts for, for, for booze and stuff like that. Drink responsibly. And if you're going to be gambling online. Luckily, I don't gamble online. Well, I mean, I buy lottery tickets, but uh, I don't... Uh, <clears throat> I don't do any of these um, roulette programmes or anything like that. That doesn't interest me in the slightest. There's a man in the paper today. He claims to have lost £200,000 playing fruit machines. 
200,000... I wish I had 200,000 pounds to play on fruit machines. And if I did have, I certainly wouldn't be playing fruit machines. I'm far too mean. But uh, that's why there are loads of uh, bingo adverts. It's like at one time, you couldn't move on the television for sell your gold. Then that that phase passed, didn't it? And all of a sudden, people started realising when the newspapers started exposing just how little money people were getting. A thousand pounds worth of gold, what were they offered? 30 pounds. But of course, people know that if you go to any of these companies where they offer to buy things, you must need the money. You must need the money. I sold a beautiful watch many, many years ago when I didn't have uh, any money at all. I had a really, really beautiful watch. It was like a dress watch. And, um, and I took it to, uh, to a place in London and they offered me £15. But unfortunately, I had to sell it because I needed £15. I was absolutely brassic. Absolutely br- now I wouldn't sell anything. Never sell anything at all. Somebody the other day wrote to me, some pathetic waste of space, who sort of said, I hope you go bankrupt. I said, it's never likely to happen. It's never likely to happen at all. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Dean says, you know that Keith Lemon's a fictional character? No, it's not. He's like that all the time. He's like that all the time. There's no fictional character about it. You're making him out to sound, make him sound like an actor. No, no, no. Keith Lemon is exactly Lee Francis. It's exactly the same person. He doesn't dress up as him. He is him. It's as simple as that. And I certainly wouldn't be interested in having somebody whose uh, mouth needs washing out, you know, um, on a regular basis. Uh, just back from Turkey, says uh, Angela. Uh, w- you would adore the culture... But you would absolutely hate the heat. You, yeah, I mean, by now, everybody knows that Steve Allen does not do heat at all. I returned well, no hitches. Ironically, I was supposed to be getting hitched uh, a 2.27 carat ring purchased in New York City awaiting right time and then dumped. The stupid man rejoined match within days immediately or was cheating previously. How about a Steve Allen dating club for those of us that appreciate great men, not boys? Like Lewis Hamilton, I will subscribe. Actually, LBC used to have a dating programme some years ago. We used to have a dating programme. But the advice was always the same. If ever you're going to meet anybody that you meet uh, on a dating site or anything like that, arrange to meet in a public place. You know, under the clock at Victoria Station was a very popular one. Always arrange to meet, you know, at a popular place. Like, I'll meet you at Eros because there's, then it's covered by cameras and things like that. Always be safe rather than sorry. That's always the advice that I would offer to somebody. Professor Green and silly little Millie McIntosh, a silly little pair of bickering children, have been on a defensive social media spree since uh, one of the newspaper's columnists revealed that she threatened him with a divorce in a very public argument. Uh, His insider says they've been having trouble in the marriage for around a year, and so they've gone to see Dr Linda Papadopoulos, which sounds like an extra, doesn't it, from Birds of a Feather. And, um... The sessions have now stopped, and so Stephen Manderson, that's Professor Green's real name, whose credibility went out the window, I'm afraid, and uh, silly little Millie McIntosh, that's the emaciated stick insect. You know, these people, they, of course they can't make their marriages last. They've got no experience of it. They're still too busy playing the silly little media game. Oh, let's go out and be photographed. Let's go to somewhere famous. Let's be photographed. You know, once you start playing that game, you might as well give up, because then you become a little bit addicted to it. And I think that both of them are addicted to the glare of publicity. She certainly is. And so many people fall foul of it. I I turned on a television programme the other day. God, it was awful. And I forget who was on. Oh, Brian... um, uh, Brian McFadden was on with his wife. Sorry, his ex-wife, Vogue. And uh, and Joe Swash. And you always know what a dreadfully naff programme it is. And then I turned on to something with Angus Dayton as I was flipping through the channels. And who was on the panel? None other than Eamon Holmes. 
Eamon Holmes with dark hair, looking actually quite attractive. The years have not been kind to the fat one. It's uh, 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, 14th of July. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Do you know if you give to the Alzheimer's Society, as many people do, half of that goes on staff wages? In other words, every pound you give, 50 pence is spent on staff wages. Absolutely disgraceful. The charity had an income in 2014 of guess how much? Eighty-four million pounds. I'm going to set up a charity, I've decided. They dished out more than 42 million for salaries, national insurance and pensions. That is absolutely outrageous. That is absolutely outrageous. Apparently, it paid 17 staff between 60 and 70,000, two staff, 70 to 80, three 90 to 100. And they say uh, one, likely to be executive Jeremy Hughes, got 130 to 140. The rest of the 42 million was split between one and a half thousand staff. It's not just Alzheimer's boss who's, uh, who's raking in. The Cancer Research Chief Executive, Harpal Kumar, Received between 230 and 240,000 last year. The NSPCC's Peter Wanless earned 162,000. Amnesty Secretary General Salil Shetty gets 200,000. And Marie Curie Cancer Care's top earner earned £170,000 last year. The argument being that they've employed these people because they know how to make the most money. Well, the NSPCC did, didn't they? Weren't they one of those companies that was employing one of these boiler room companies who are doing aggressive marketing to try and get people to part with their money? And uh, and Alzheimer's. Weren't poor Alzheimer's people targeted as well uh, because they were an easy touch? But f- So every pound you give, 50 pence, goes on staff wages. It's bloody disgrace, isn't it? You would expect the majority of it to go... On it, you know, you don't expect to pay forty-two million. But I've said before, these places are businesses. Their argument will be that you know, forty-two million pounds for a charity is better than nothing, isn't it? And you think, well, it could have been eighty-four. You know, why do you need so many staff? I mean, how long does it take to process these things? Ridiculous. Uh, Ian says, I agree with you about the principle of God creating everything as an argument against religious bigots. Now, stop illegal uses of. Illegal usage of plug sockets. I can't wait to tell you that story a bit later on. I think probably uh, Duncan's given you a, a hint. Maggie says grapes from Egypt. Have you thought about who picked them and did they have clean hands? Yeah, but everybody washes stuff, don't they? Perhaps if we'd washed them, though, we might not have found the spider, which is not good. Uh, how about Godzilla on Celebrity Big Brother? At last, a celebrity we know and who's likable, says Lee. There's nobody on there who's likable at all, is there? I was so disappointed to turn on the television the other day, but so delighted at the same time. And I hope that you saw it. It's the uh, rather awful TV presenter, somebody called Rylan Clark, who really is so awful. I can't see this career lasting much beyond any of these programmes. Where you can put him, I've got no idea. Who he appeals to, I've got no idea. But they have a panel made up of a couple of ex-members of... Um, of Big Brother, who were just so disgusting and who couldn't string two words together. And sitting next to them, some very old woman. Turns out it was Lizzie Cundy. This is the one who looks like a hamster. Did you see her neck? She's got to be 70 at least. Seriously, I looked at the neck and I thought, you need to start wearing scarves, dear. Your neck's giving away your age. She looks scrawny. Really, it was like, hanging open. 
And then they had uh, the bloke who was in Brookside, whose name I can't remember, but he did the uh, the Come Dine with me, with me with Biggins, who, of course, has got a bit older. And then the other one was some Welsh bloke who's aged badly, who used to be on the television, and now they don't think they use him very much at all, whose name I couldn't even think of. Might have been Matt. Might have not been Matt. No, the Matt I was watching was on Anne Robinson's little programme called Watchdog, where Matt Allwright obviously thinks he's very funny. And he now does something called Rogue Traders, which is uh, must have a separate budget within the programme because it's a complete and utter waste of time. And then they dragged on that well-known useless piece of presenting, Dominic Littlewood, who turned up in a ridiculous gun-shooting kind of thing like the OK Corral, as opposed to telling us about tree surgeons who are ripping people off who've just been sent to prison. You could have condensed the entire feature down to about a minute. Here they are. Here's me sort of exposing them. And uh, now they've gone to prison. Ha, ha, ha. We didn't need to see the gunslinging or Dominic Littlewood or anything like that. It was completely stupid and pointless. But there again, that's the BBC for you. They love wasting your money. They can't... Good God in heaven, what on earth is that? Prince Andrew... Prince Andrew is now taken over a university role from Patrick Stewart. He is Huddersfield's university chancellor. Prince Andrew... What qualifications? This is this is obviously Huddersfield. Perhaps they're obviously not uh, particularly fussy at Huddersfield over who they have a chance at. Prince Andrew, what's he there for? Prince Andrew, the biggest waste of space in the royal. Fa- what on earth is going on? Mind you, I suppose if you actually check out Huddersfield University, it'll probably turn out to be some ghastly place. And so Prince Andrew is there, and because he took over from surprisingly Patrick Stewart, I don't quite understand that. What do they do? They offer these things out. They, oh, do you want to do it? Yeah, Andrew will do it. Really, Prince Andrew? God, can we get a royal member? Yeah, perhaps his perhaps his grandmother will come down. Perhaps we'll end up with the ghastly daughters as well. No, there he is, Prince Andrew. You know, trying to look terribly serious, whereas in fact we all know what he's like, don't we? There's a care worker. I must tell you the story about the bananas having had our very own uh, spider incident. Today, a care worker feared she would die in agony after being stung by a scorpion in a bag of bananas from Tesco. Keita Fitton felt excruciating pain and pulled out her hand with the sting stuck in a finger. Oh, God, I'd freak out completely. She screamed for help and was taken to hospital where she says doctors were unsure how to treat her. Keita, who has no feeling in her middle finger, says it felt like a bee sting. I went into shock. She was stung whilst making packed lunches at a home for young men with learning difficulties. Uh, A colleague killed the creature with a shoe and sealed it in a sandwich bag. Whilst waiting in A&E, Keita searched online, it's obviously not in that much pain, and uh, identified it as a black-edged scorpion from Costa Rica. Doctors didn't know how to treat me. All they can do is monitor it, so I was sent home with pain relief. One website said it's not deadly, but the pain is extreme. Tesco are probing. They say we set ourselves the highest standards for quality. And uh, after complaining to Tesco, somebody came to collect the packaging and offered to refund the 59p or whatever it was, which I found a little insight- insulting. Well, what, do you expect, what do you expect to get back, dear? What did you expect? What did you expect? A million pounds or something? Million pounds? I don't think so. I don't think so. They gave you the price of the of the bananas back, and they'll have to investigate. And the reason they have to investigate is they have to try and find out whether or not the scorpion was actually in the bananas. And ludicrous though it seems, they have to check whether or not it was put into the bananas deliberately. You know, because you do get people who want to cheat the system. I'm not saying she did, but they have to check everything. So the first thing they have to do is they have to uh, they have to check everything. And uh, and that's why. That is why. 
which is which is quite you know obviously you know not going to start handing out compensation. I mean, if you know if all of a sudden she loses her finger or something like that, which is very unlikely, uh, then they might have to be looking at uh, something different. Uh, it's Lewis again, poor little Lewis Hamilton. They say uh, he is in his clothing in the pits. He wears the most ludicrous outfits I've ever seen. Uh, one of them, he went to uh, a nightclub. Wearing sunglasses at night. I mean, I ask you. He's, he spends a lot of time wearing sunglasses and looking like a complete... Do- Perhaps he thinks he looks fashionable. But in fact, everybody's said, every single columnist, every single expert, exactly what I said at least four weeks ago. At least, you know, that he is possibly the worst dressed person I've ever seen in my entire life. It's ob- And I did say, I think about four, six weeks ago, I said, it is, is it some joke or something? Is somebody playing a joke on us? I mean, one of them... Uh, he had the anorak of a bird watcher, and then he was wearing uh, at LAX airport slashed jeans. You know, he's thirty. Slashed jeans—it's for people of eighteen, Lewis. You know, and a Tom Ford hat. You're too old for this. It's bypassed you. It's bypassed you. He also likes leather, wearing suits without socks, and teeming bling with anoraks. Unfortunately, every single one of them is just ghastly. Just ghastly. One of them he was wearing tartan, denim, gold chain, hood and a baseball cap. I mean, you've never seen anybody look so bad. So, as I said yesterday, and I think you'll find I was proved right yet again, it's all backfired. If it was going to be a publicity stunt, um, then it would... uh, it, it would be possibly one of the worst publicity stunts that you've ever, ever seen. Somebody says, I think I saw your profile on a popular dating website. You're more stupid than you sound, aren't you, really? It's not your fault. I mean, I, I appreciate there are stupid people out at this time of the morning. I appreciate the fact there are people on medication. And I appreciate the fact there are people awaiting the police to come and take them away. Or possibly an ambulance, which I think would be nearer to the mark, actually. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, very quickly, one here from uh, Dean. And uh, I saw Christopher Biggins in Whitstable giving an audience to his adoring fans in the high street. He's very popular, very popular. He did his one-man show, of course, which was equally popular. Re- equally, you know, very, very popular. Nice man, really nice man. Right, let me quickly just do this before I give you a time check. I'm going to try and be better with my time checks this morning. Not that I really care whether I give you a time check or not. I'm not one of these people that thinks that at this time of the morning you're going to be going, oh, I wonder what time it is. You know, because everybody now has got clocks, and if you haven't, well, that's your problem. You need to need to wander off and get a life somewhere, because everybody's got clocks. They can buy them from the, the pound shop. You can buy all sorts of things. But uh, people expect the radio. I think from six o'clock, I think that would be probably probably a, a good argument, which I would lose, that you do need to give people time checks so they can go, I wonder what time I do, what time is it, what time? I'm standing in the shower. You know, easier to, sta- easier to stand in the shower for about 15, 20 minutes without having to worry about what the, what the time is. And so I, I assume that if you're, if you're leaving to go to work, you sort of know about all these things. I see Christo. I was talking to Christo yesterday, and uh, he's also banned somebody. <laughs> somebody who's completely off the trolley. Uh, 84850. Uh, John says, did you ever get to the bottom of what was going on with somebody wanting to send their medical records? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. I mean, I don't know why. You know, anybody would want to send me their their medical records. Stupidest thing I'd ever read. But there again, we read more of them. And I think they're slightly, let's just call them trouble, shall we? And then somebody's written to Eamon Holmes saying, you need to sort out Steve Allen making remarks about your portly figure. I didn't say he was portly, I said he was fat. 
I don't think you can disagree on that. I mean, he's, you know, compared to what he was, of course he's fat. God in heaven, you weren't watching the same programme. Wait a minute, Mitchell's have a check who this one is. Are they any... They've only got 283 followers. Oh dear, you must be lonely. Mind you, I saw somebody the other day, three followers on Twitter. That's when you know you've reached the end of your tether and not even people on Twitter want to get to know you. There was a story in... Oh, there was a... I was looking at the Daily Star. They, they, they've gone on about this girl of ten and these, um, this alien plant taking over Britain. They make it sound like triffids. It's not like triffids at all. It melted my hand. Oh, God, honestly, the, the rubbish that they write in the Daily Star. It does do its best, but, you know, sometimes it falls way short of the mark. They've got the runway rebels. What a, an, I think Plain described uh, all of the people there, and Stupid was a very good, uh, a very good description. And um, lots of flights were delayed. These stupid people, uglies, to a man have all been charged now. Thank God. Let's let's seriously get some some uh, some some proper charges going on these ones. They disrupted. They broke in. So it's criminal damage, and then you get for everything else. I think thousand pound fines or prison. I think let's teach these people. I'm maybe not a plain stupid, but judging by the idiotic faces that are peering out at you, uh, their spokeswoman is Sarah Sharocka. She insisted we'd not endangered any flights. You're more stupid than you sounded, aren't you, really? That's the trouble with these sort of people. They don't realise they're just sort of little militants from another era. You know, nobody cares about them. You know, you'll go up in court, you'll have your five seconds, and hopefully they'll bang you up and throw the key away. You know, lots of people who are waiting to fly in. You know, these people... Of course, I mean, what it does demonstrate here... I'm not bothered what they're protesting about. Nobody gives a toss about them at all. I'm more interested in the fact that security at Heathrow Airport is so lax... Somebody can actually get onto the runways and they can and they can disrupt planes. I mean, this could have been anybody. It could have seriously been anybody disrupting a plane. As it turns out, they were plain stupid. But if they'd been people who were going to plant a bomb or something like that, it would have been fairly simple. So that's why, quite clearly, security at Heathrow is lax. I mean, it must be the easiest place to get into. So it's about time that they beefed up security, because if they can do it, and they're just average little idiots, then somebody who's more determined could get in and do something. It would not be too difficult. So pull your finger out, Heathrow. And that's also a message to all the other airports around the country. It's no good worrying about people flying off. Think about people who don't want people to fly off. Sometimes they're so blind, those that are blinkered. 14 to 5. Steve Allen on LBC. <laughs> Mad as a fruitcake. <laughs> 12 minutes to five. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll get these people into court. Heathrow halted by the invaders. But as I say, the, the question is far bigger. It isn't just people chaining themselves to the railing. As far as I'm concerned, what they should have done is just left them there all day. <laughs> you stay there, you know, and then hope it rains and then blistering sunshine. Very soon they'll all get bored. I don't know why we waste time with people like this. You want to stay there all day, darling, you stay there. The moment you stray onto a runway, then I think you're fair game. That I think you're fair game, but I think uh, quite clearly, you know, you're all mad as fruitcakes and, um, and the sooner you're sort of arrested and charged, the better. But I, I don't really know why, why we bother with people like this. Let them stay there. It's like people who sort of chain themselves to the top. Let them stay there. You stay there forever and I couldn't care less. Eventually one or two of them, and they are a bit simple looking, will have to go to the toilets. Let them just wet themselves. I couldn't care less. Really. I don't know why we waste time with all the police cars surging round there. I think what you do is you literally get a fire engine out and you soak them completely and then say bye and just leave them there. If that actually, to make it even more fun, go up to them and chain them with our own chains. Get the police to put handcuffs on them. And then they could stay there all day, because otherwise they've got their own chains, their own little... And you look at them, they're all simpletons. They're all, a bit, they're all a bit gaga by the look of it. And chain them up there. What are you sitting there talking to them for? Why are the police wasting time? 
Good God, if this was Australia, they'd have been shot by now. Best place for them, I think. Let's send them to Australia. It's where we send all the criminals, isn't it, really? Uh, what else we got here? What else have we got? What else have we got? Oh, they reckon stop hosing your lawns. Or, apparently, by the time you get to Christmas, we'll have run out of water. God, not another drought. I couldn't bear another drought. That would be absolutely dreadful. Here's some ISIS girls, or as I prefer to call them, prostitutes. Uh, They're mainly hookers working for ISIS. And uh, now they have to wear pink little socks and everything else. They claim to be fighting for feminism. Oh, right. Bizarre, this one. Bizarre. And um, an apple a day will help you to pay. Now, I don't do this... What do they call it? Is it touchless cards? Where they sort of do it and then you touch your card on there. I don't do that because I don't think I've got one of these cards. I don't think I've got one of these cards. I've I've got a debit card and I've got a MasterCard and that's it. Most people's wallets you open. And I bet you if we went to the producer's wallet, there would be, I reckon, at least ten different cards in there. I think there'll be cards for different things. Me, two cards. This is cards to do with money, as opposed to cards for Costco or cards to get into the British Museum or whatever it happens to be. So I've only got two cards that deal with money, because I like to keep it as simple as possible. I couldn't bear the idea that at the end of each month you've got so much going out and you've got money going out and you don't know where you are. So in other words, unless you're one of these people who reads their bank account avidly and ticks it all off, it's like watching that... TV, that film reviewer on the television, he sits there being interviewed on television with a piece of paper and then ticking it off with a pencil like he's some three-year-old. Mark Commode, I think he is. I've, I've seriously never seen anybody like it. Can't he remember anything at all? He sits there. He's so smug. It's really very irritating. Luckily, he's on in the early hours of the morning, so you don't kind of have to suffer with him too much. But he goes to... He's one of these sort of, you know, they go and sit in the rooms, and they're so snooty. Some of these film reviews... I mean, really, some of them are quite ghastly. And he sits there with a piece of paper with his films on, and then when he's finished doing it, he's like, you know... It's just a film. Nobody gives a toss whether you like it or not. Your, your view is not important. And then he ticks it off in his little list. It's a bit sad, really. Anyway, an apple a day can help you to pay the end of the cash card. Shoppers will today wave goodbye to cash cards as a new contact-free payment service launches across the UK. Apple Pay lets customers pay for goods using their iPhone or Apple Watch. Well, in the case of Apple Watch, there'll just be a few of them because sales are not going at all well for that. It's the only thing, I think, that has not taken off. There was a lot of interest. And then they started saying, oh, the most expensive... Prince Andrew's got one. And I'm sorry if it's that naff and Prince Andrew's got one. I wouldn't want one. I really wouldn't. Um, da, 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 what do we have in the, uh, in the celebrity pages? Not a lot. Little Minx, apparently. Uh, they want to star in a movie. Oh, God, they'll have to use a lot of makeup and clever lighting for that one. And uh, the Foo Fighters frontman, Dave Grohl, will make it to the UK with three massive shows. They're going to play two at Milton Keynes Bowl and one in Edinburgh. Milton Keynes Bowl. <laughs> Always remember there used to be an advert on the television. Remember it years ago where it was a kid with a red balloon. That that was that was quite uh, that was quite sweet. I like that one actually. I like that one a lot. Eight four eight five zero. And Karen says I live near a special needs school. They've got a couple of small animals, rabbits, yeah, stuff like that. And they've got a cockerel, and it's just woken up. And boy, does it sound old. Actually, I quite you see that I like. I like that idea. We used to have rabbits at my school. Uh, which I liked as well. But I like the idea of having cockerels and chickens and stuff like that so that you can, the kids can collect eggs. I think that's a really, that's a nice thing to do, isn't it? I think that's really pleasing. I think just, just I remember talking to a, a West End star. I won't tell you who it is, a very big West End star. And he moved out to the country. And I said, what do you notice most about living in the country as opposed to living in town? Because he used to live in London. And he said, 
it's so quiet. I said, what do you mean? He said, there's no sound at all. He said, sometimes, you know, in the early morning, he said, I look out the window just to make sure that there are people out there. He said, because it is deathly quiet. He said, you look over the fields and in the winter, he said, the mist rolls in over the fields. He said, you can see the cows standing there. He said, and it's utterly beautiful. He said, but so utterly quiet. He said, in London, he said, I was so used to going out any time of the day or night. You could always go out and find something to eat or get milk or sugar or do a mini shop because we have 24-hour supermarkets. You can do a big shop as well. He said, here, he said, there's nothing. The village shop shuts at five. He said, and it only has a small selection and it's a bit more expensive. He said, so we have to wait until Friday before we can go into to town to do a bigger shop. He said, but it's the quietness. And I suddenly realised that when I was younger, you didn't hear anything. At the night time, you climbed into bed. If it was a little bit windy, all you could see was the trees moving about outside. That'd be, and if it was particularly windy, the next morning you'd see the trees and they'd have fallen into the garden. But, oh, it was absolutely... I mean, it was wonderful. But at the same time, it was slightly scary. Because where he lived, out in the country, there were no streetlights. Because it was a village. So there was nothing. It was just pitch black. So that's why people go to bed early. It must be like living in Iceland, I should imagine. Or uh, or top of Finland. Uh, university chiefs are in the paper today. We don't often get a university story. But uh, what a lot of um, people do when the uh, when they have their... They're sort of whatever they call it, the thing where they go and collect their stuff and they all put their mortarboards on and then they throw them in the air for a photograph. Birmingham University have banned that graduation. That's it. That was the word I was looking for. As you can tell, I wasn't an educated person. I'm just terribly common, I'm afraid. But students have now been told not to throw their black caps in celebration in case they hit somebody on the way down. Oh, God in heaven, where is this dimbo place? It's the University of Birmingham. As you go up the country, they go dumb, dumb, dumb. And by the time you get to the University of Birmingham, they're as thick as bricks, ladies and gentlemen. Apparently, the university said in an email, throwing of caps is not permitted due to health and safety. Uh, A spokesman said, we recognise this is a time of celebration for our students and families after years of hard work and to ensure everybody has an enjoyable time. The ban is only for a specific private event where space was restricted. Oh, I tell you, I'd be be just just go, oh, stuff you, we're doing it anyway. (laughs) Why would you not? Why would you not? Uh, What's this? Posh Spice. She's not posh at all. We've heard her talk. She's not posh. The one thing she's not is terribly, terribly cultured. She's actually terribly, terribly common. And she has to scream at her children to keep them in line. And she likes to remind them that she used to be a member of the Spice Girls. Yes, but darling, you didn't do anything in the Spice Girls. It was all the others who did it. In fact, if you watch, I'll tell you what you want, what you really, really want. You know, A to the E and the V to the B and all this kind of stuff. Watch it. Count how many minutes in before Victoria Beckham utters a word. It's almost like she was surplus to requirements. And in most of their songs, she was fairly surplus to requirements. She says she loves being a normal mum. Oh, look, oh, Harper's walking again. There's another picture of Harper walking. Child walks. Lovely. Is that a £3,000 outfit or a £20,000 outfit? I can't tell. Romeo has got his little hat on. And uh, Cruz. And, um, and little Brooklyn, who apparently has a security man to be with him. You kind of lose the will to live, don't you? Oh, Daniel Radcliffe's threatened to show you more of his bottom. Because it, um, he says, he, he, he got rear of the year. He's very excited. And uh, Bear Derriere, nothing new for the fans. Since he was in uh, the movie Horns, in which he appears naked, he almost famously took his clothes off uh, in Equus. Yeah, but he didn't show us his bottom. He showed the other bit. 
which we saw, saw the front bottom, as they say. But uh, Owen Horns, oh, he appears totally naked. He doesn't have any qualms, Daniel Radcliffe, about taking his clothes off. If only I could say the same about myself. If only I could say that I was willing to take my clothes off every five minutes, but uh, it's not going to happen. I'm not as slim uh, or as uh, or as good-looking as Daniel Radcliffe, so I just have to suffer with the fact that nobody's ever going to express any interest in Steve Allen ever taking his clothes off. Although, actually, I could be lying, because this is the biggest audience that, uh, that we've ever got, so uh, <laughs> there might be a few people willing. Oh, God, they must be a bit desperate in the Daily Star. Because of her... Um, her coronation debut, because she's well known as an actress in this country, not the dreary old Sarah Harding, you know, and they say here she she said goodbye to her hardcore Harding wild partying days. There were no wild partying. She just got drunk and fell down and went face down in a gutter. There's nothing about her at all. I mean, you know, if it lasts, it lasts, if it doesn't. But for goodness sake, dear, stop talking about what you're doing and try and get on and do it. Because let's face it, your acting has hardly set the world on fire. At the moment, it's a minor role. And uh, and the singing bit, well, I mean, I don't think anybody bothers with Sarah Harding in the singing department. Uh, Steve, Matt's been doing Rogue Traders for a couple of years now. Yes, I know about that. They had to rejig the segment. There was originally, he had a co-presenter on it. Yes, we remember Dan. He was the one who fiddled his benefits, didn't he? He was the one who used to ride the motorcycle, which Matt Allwright sat on the back of. And, um, and then he was exposed as a benefit fraudster, so the BBC had to drop him as fast as possible. One minute he was on there, and I thought, oh, this is good, and it turned out he, he was fiddling. I think to the tune of about 24 grand. So it wasn't anything, and the BBC just lost him. Just lost him completely. Anyway, nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's Tuesday, the 14th of July. 4,000 hunting dogs culled every year. This is the hounds that they use. And the reason being, they work as a pack. Once they lose the scent, they can't have them as family pets. They shoot them. They take them out and shoot them. They don't mess around. They don't go and, you know, euthanise them or anything like that. 50 Cent has filed for bankruptcy. The worst-dressed man is Lewis Hamilton. And uh, Greek's uh, happiest man as the country falls apart. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, the 14th of July. It's Bastille Day. Yes, it's Bastille Day. How will they be celebrating? We'll tell you a little bit later on. Uh, The bigamist, Cissé, that's the footballer, apparently got his first wife pregnant at the age of 13. Slightly disturbing. Sherry Hewson, ex of Loose Women, well, currently of Loose Women, was told off, they say, in a swanky nightclub. It wasn't that swanky, it was the Playboy Club. She took her heels off and stood at the bar. I think it was a private event, and quite clearly, as most people can't stand in heels, she was happiest doing it, but she did Twitter and say, I've been told off at my age. The man plugging in his phone on the train gets charged, and the BBC boss who says, we need the voice. Oh, you so don't. And the fraudsters who make 350 insurance claims every day. 90% bogus. Bogus. Everything from whiplash to falling over, people who deliberately fall over. And then what they do is they go onto a database now and they can generally suss out those people who are making fraudulent claims. And you wouldn't believe. There's a whole catalogue of them in there because what they do um, is they actually sort of try and take money out of the system. Luckily, most of them get caught beforehand and we send them to uh, to prison. Steve, they should have cuffed the people at the end of the runway, then soaked them with a fire hose. They would have soon dried out in the wake of, uh, of a few 747s. 
Yes, I mean, uh, I, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I would see, I wouldn't have bothered. They actually went there and chained themselves to the reinings. And as we explained in the first part of the programme, I'm not so bothered. They can go and protest wherever they like. I'd have gone there and handcuffed them to the railings, said you can sit there all day until we decide to release you. Sit there all day and let's hope it rains later on, OK? And that's great. I'm more worried that they were able to actually get into the airport. Actually to get into the airport without it appears too much difficulty. They were found... But then, just supposing they'd be somebody who wanted to do serious damage to the airport, like bomb it, it could be anything. Quite clearly, the security up there is lax. It must be very lax if they were able to go on it. Anyway, they're all being charged, so uh, we'll wait and see what happens. Because of the, uh, the hunting ban, there's one day to save the fox hunt ban, um, there's no point in explaining my thoughts on fox hunting, because as you can well imagine, being an animal lover, I cannot understand why anybody would want to go out there and deliberately, for fun, hunt a fox. I just, I just can't, can't get my head around that at all. Why a bunch of people want to go out there and bounce around like Thelwell characters on their horses, you know, and, and you know, the hunting red and the this and the blooding up and everything else and bring out the huntsmen with the whippers in, the whippers out and everybody else who's associated with it. It's a huge, a huge industry within the countryside and people in the countryside say that if you're in the town, you don't understand. Well, of course, we do simpletons because we have foxes in London. We don't have people careering down Whitehall. I haven't seen huntsmen careering round Leicester Square trying to sort of catch foxes, but they go out and they, uh, and they hunt foxes. And I don't actually know what the purpose of it is. Foxes were there long before these hunts people were there, believe you me. And so they go out there and they kill them. And now we're told, even though we knew this, and if you go back on some of my programmes from 10, 15 years ago, they kill the hounds. Uh, they take them out. They don't bother. They, they don't do it humanely. Well, their idea of humanely and my idea might be something completely different. You see, I would think you would put a dog down if it was suffering. These dogs aren't suffering. The dogs that they shoot, and they do literally take them out and shoot them. I've seen it being done on the television. Uh, if they if they're not dogs that are working with the pack, it's a pack. It's a pack of hounds. And if the, once the dog loses scent, it's of no use to them. You can't then pass them on because they're dogs that are trained to be in a pack. Once they don't do that, they could be dangerous to other people, so they shoot them. 4,000, they reckon, are culled every year. I would think that's probably a very conservative estimate. Very conservative. I mean, the, the hounds are very much the other victims. Puppies are, are generally clubbed to death. And uh, older dogs are shot in the head. Healthy older dogs. Healthy older dogs. They take them out there. He's got a gun. Must be licensed, I suppose. And they just shoot them. You see, I thought if you were going to put an animal down, as any of you animal lovers will know, if you've got a, an animal that's very old and, uh, and very sick and is suffering, then the one thing you have to do is you give it uh, an injection and it goes to sleep. You don't shoot it, but they do in the hunts. Uh, some kids sitting on the edge of a cliff. And here they are. It's a three-foot... 300-foot-high cliff, pictured in the papers today, and it was a chalk ledge. This is in a south coast beauty spot. Uh, there were no fences there, so they all went along and sat at the edge with their feet hanging over it. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's just sheer stupidity. I mean, it's, it's very near Beachy Head, which, of course, as you all know, is a, a well-known suicide spot. But they're sitting at right on the edge with their feet over it. I mean, it makes me ill to look at it because I can't do heights. And you've got these one, two, three, four, five, six students sitting on the top there. It was a lovely day. The person who took the picture said I was on the other side of the estuary. I couldn't believe what I was looking at. They literally crawled along and then they just sat at the edge. I mean, they're not really identified. They will know who they are by looking at this picture. Oh, look, that was us. 
That was us. It was good. <laughs> 84850, uh, Neil's with us this morning on country living. He says there's nothing like living in the country. Grandson's Teddy's face lights up when we go to collect the eggs from our chickens. He loves going and getting a cucumber, tomatoes, potatoes, cauliflowers and cabbages. He loves it. No street lights here, just peace and tranquillity. Lorraine and I love it. We've been here for a year. Next week, the neighbours are great. Somebody left a lovely pot of homemade strawberry jam on our step the other day. He says, it's a day's fishing for me today. I bet you're jealous. Actually, my brother is going to make you jealous because he's going, I think in a few weeks' time, carp fishing in France. His girlfriend, the long-suffering Marion, has decided that she's going to avoid this one because my brother likes fishing and, in fact, uh, I know quite a number of people who enjoy fishing. My friend John, who works for Paul Cooper in the fruit and veg shop, he loves fishing as well and he loves the carp fishing. My brother's done the marlin stuff. I think he's doing it while he's, while he's able to do it. And he's going carp fishing in France. And I said, all right, you're driving. And he said, no, no, so we're flying. And then I think they, they come and pick you up. I said, do you have to take your rods? And he said, no, no, we don't take anything. You just take the reels. They provide the rods. And these carp apparently are like huge. And that's, see, I can't understand. I can't understand fishing at all. I've, I've never, never worked out what the appeal of fishing is. I can't think of anything that, that would actually make me want to go and sit by the side of a river. I know that Neil likes it. And, uh, and he would look forward to a day's fishing. You know, because you go out there and you've got a... In fact, actually, I've got a flask. <coughs> I should really give to my brother, because he'll like this flask. I bought it in Costco ages ago, and I've only used it once. Perhaps I should drop it down to him. Other stories in the uh, the papers. Um, a vigilante car rage attack. Mum is jailed. This is uh, Amanda Miles. Uh, she mowed down a couple in her car because she thought they'd stolen her child's bike. I mean, seriously, so she took the law into her own hand. She mounted the pavement and accelerated into Stacey Stokes and Jamie Huxtable, throwing them into the air. Miss Stokes suffered head injuries. Mr Huxtable was extensively bruised. And so this uh, stupid woman, Amanda Miles, they've sent her to prison for six years. Six years. Thankfully, there were no horrendous injuries. She was guilty of two charges uh, and of dangerous driving. Hopefully they'll never let her back on the road ever again. Uh, Charlotte is our joy of heaven. Kate is an amazing mother. And George is a little monkey. And you can imagine how perfect life must be in the uh, in the Prince William household. It must be, mustn't it? They don't need to worry about the things that you need to worry about. They don't need to think about, you know, can we afford to put Petra in the car? They don't need to, they don't need to worry about anything, actually. There is not, what do you think they need to worry about? Nothing. I suppose whether or not people don't like them on Twitter or something like that. I can't think of any other reason. I can't think of any other reason. (laughs) Uh, And Richard says, I don't think you should have any qualms about taking your clothes off in public. Terry Jones took his off in every instalment of Monty Python's Flying Circus, and he wasn't exactly thin. You wash your mouth out with carbolic. How dare you suggest such a thing? I just it just doesn't interest me in the slightest. Don't mind other people taking their clothes off, but it's certainly not uh, not on the the list of uh, of Steve Allen's things to do anytime soon. Uh, we've got a, a slight problem with the um, with the Twitter today. We 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 can take your your texts on the uh, the program, and uh, another one here talking about uh, Bastille Day, and I'll talk about uh, that in a moment for you. But the contactless card, uh, says Mitch, is dangerous due to its... If it's lost, the person who finds it can tap 20 quid as much as he wants. Uh, uh, You can also scam people with the readers and stand next to you and scan 20 quid. Oh, right. That sounds slightly uh, slightly disturbing, doesn't it? 
I don't have one of these contactless cards. I have to key in my number. But so far, touch wood, somewhere, um, I've never lost any money. I do worry about taking money out of cash points. If somebody's too close behind me, I go, excuse me, um, I have been known to push people backwards. Don't invade my space, all right? I'll, I'll tell you when it's free. <laughs> Come anywhere near me. Uh, a lot of you suggesting that the people, plain stupid... Uh, plain disgui- uh, dis- sort of uh, describes their looks and stupid is what they did uh, at Heathrow Airport. A lot of people saying they should have been drenched, but were they, they, you're buying into my idea. You're buying into my idea of actually chaining them with our chains to the railings and leaving them to sit there for a week. I think it's great. Sasha says, I hope that group kept their clothes on whilst looking at the view. They did. Uh, Wendy says, huntsmen probably don't want to pay for the vet to euthanise. Uh, they're dogs, so the whole fox hunting is cruel. Yes, I mean, they do destroy... Uh, but I've known for years. I mean, ever since I've been working on radio, I've always known, coming from not necessarily a country background, but knowing about hunts and things like that, I always knew that they, they shot dogs. I remember seeing a documentary on it years and years ago where they literally took took the dog out and they just put it out of its misery, as they say. But, of course, the dog's not in any misery. It doesn't know it's in misery at all. It's just that they then say... Uh, we don't want you in the in the hounds again. And so they get rid of puppets. They get rid of all sorts of things. But there again, if you saw what went on with sort of chicks that are being bred nowadays, you'd be fairly horrified to realise that they don't want the cockerels, so they take those out and they get mashed up and fed to the, to the chickens. I told you you didn't want to know. Quarter past five. Morning, everybody. Nick Ferrari and the team at Breakfast. Should acting Labour leader Harriet Harman really be supporting the Tories' welfare cuts? They'll be speaking to the Queen legend, Dr Brian May, on why he's leading a protest on Parliament and hear from the man whose T-shirt got him into trouble with the police. That's Nick Ferrari from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Gutahari, Director of Communications at News UK, will be looking at the newspapers. Um, there's a bizarre story in the paper today. I say bizarre story because it involves two people who are both dead. And yet it's the oddest story ever to have emerged from America involving the Hollywood Lothario Clark Gable. Clark Gable died in 1960 at the age of uh, 59. He was quite young, actually, from coronary thrombosis. He was a heavy smoker. But the allegation is that he date raped his co-star and she had a child. And the story goes as follows. Uh, He attacked Loretta Young in a train compartment as they returned from filming in 1935. So says her daughter-in-law, Linda Lewis. Loretta hid the pregnancy, gave birth in secret in Los Angeles, then claimed she'd adopted daughter Judy. Soon before the Oscar winner died, aged 87 in the year 2000, she watched a TV discussion on date rape with Linda and said, that's what happened between me and Clark. Loretta kept the rape a secret from Judy, who died in 2011, aged 78. Linda, 63, who comes from Florida, said that's what Loretta wanted because she doesn't want to be conceived in love. Isn't it the most bizarre story? The most bizarre story I've ever read. The, the headline, Gable raped co-star and she had his baby. There was, there was nothing unusual about people having sex in the, uh, the days of Hollywood. In fact, it was said that in one of the studios, a bell would be rung in the afternoon so that the studio head could have his pick of the ingenues and uh, whoever he liked. It was There's a very good book out called The Casting Couch. And I remember interviewing the author of it some years ago on LBC. And it basically said that every single actress from a certain period in Hollywood went through the casting couch. The casting couch was that uh, if you were nice to the boss, 
they would put you in a film. The rest, of course, was up to you. You then had to make your mark. Everybody knows, of course, about Joan Crawford and all the pornographic films that she made. So the moment she became famous, they had to try and get them bought up and have them destroyed as quickly as possible. Unfortunately for her, uh, some were saved and they pop up on a regular basis on the Internet. So that's what happened. The Casting Couch is a very, very interesting book. It said that practically everybody went through it, except Betty Davis, who was too ugly for anybody to be considered. It was always said, I know, Betty Davis was not considered a great beauty. Joan Crawford, in fact, Stephen um, What's-His-Face, who made E.T., uh, said that when he turned up to make a film with Joan Crawford, she opened the door wearing a see-through negligee. She had to apparently seduce all her producers. I think uh, Stephen made his excuses and left. Very interesting. Uh, From world champ to fashion chump. Yes, poor old Lewis Hamilton. I mean, honestly, what a dodo bird. What a ridiculous amount of outfits. I'm as assuming that, I mean, everybody, nobody looks at him now and goes, oh, that's really good, isn't it? Because he looks ridiculous. In fact, he looked better when he was going out with Nicole Scherzinger and he was just dressed in a suit and a shirt and tie. Now he started wearing these other clothes. It's, oh, you've just ne- never seen anything so laughable. I suppose the next outfit he turns up with, and this all stems from when he turned up at Wimbledon, thinking that a floral shirt, I don't think so, was going to get him sitting in the royal box all by his Billy No Mates self. There was nobody else with him, there was only one chair in there, and it was left vacant for the match, so he had to stand in hospitality and watch it, because quite clearly they have a dress code at Wimbledon, and if you're going to go and sit in their royal box, they're, you know, they're going to decide what you wear, and they send you out a little booklet, which says, this is what royal box protocol is, you will turn up at a certain time. There are people wandering into it, as and when they feel like it. You know, you will not sit there and jeer or anything else, and you will not sit there wearing a hat, You will sit there, you will wear socks, you will have a jacket and you will have a tie on because that's what they demand. If you want to, you know, if you want to go to an event like that, that's what you have to wear. Be like turning up to watch the, you know, the Royal Philharmonic playing or any of those and sort of seeing them sitting there in a pair of sort of shorts and a T-shirt. You'd be going, I'm sorry, could they not dress up for this? And the answer is, of course they can. I used to get quite annoyed watching television presenters who turn up in a pair of jeans being paid huge amounts of money to appear on television, and they turn up in a pair of jeans. Admittedly, if you're sitting at a desk and you're a newsreader, and I used to cheat doing this as well when I used to read news on uh, BSB, before it morphed into B B, um, I would sit there wearing shorts in the middle of summer. As long as you had a shirt on, and then you would sit... The, the trick is, to make yourself look really good, is you would pull your shirt out of your trousers, and you would sit on it, so it gave you a nice clean look. But uh, under the desk, pair of shorts and flip-flops... Because nobody, you know, you weren't never going to be standing up doing anything. It was always behind a desk. And I think you'll find probably a lot of people do nowadays. They try and dress more comfortably. I think it's been exposed on the television. Didn't somebody have a pair of uh, sandals on that they were wearing? And the, the camera came around, so they had to move their legs round. Because you get some of these, what they call, tracking shots. And it can expose you a little tiny bit. Um, dum, 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 dum. Um, I don't know who's this. Caroline Flack. Um... I think you've had your five minutes, dear. I, I, I think it's finished. I'm ever so sorry. Uh, there's also a woman here who was made constantly hungry by a rare illness. Ate herself to death. I've never heard of it before either. Uh, this is just in seven months after support workers took a lock off her fridge. Kirsty Derry, 23, suffered from Prader willy syndrome, which is a rare genetic condition which causes permanent feelings of hunger. But after a lifetime of diet control, she moved to supported living where she persuaded Star to remove alarmed locks from her fridge and cupboards. She was a diabetic. Four foot eight, 
She died from heart failure after soaring from 12.5 stone to 19 stone. Uh, She had begged staff at a council-run home in Staffordshire to help after noticing her rapid weight gain. And that's the uh, that's the problem nowadays. It's so easy to put weight up. I mean, I actually, I mean, I feel a bit awful when I read things like that. I mean, luckily, I'm not sort of not sort of too bad. I'm just sort of like sort of coping with things. But I did yesterday have a craving and the craving was for peanut butter on toast. So sitting at home, I have a loaf, loaf of crusty bread. I have some butter, some nice Lurpak butter, which is out of the fridge. So it's you know not going to sort of it's all just nicely soft. And uh, some Sunpat peanut butter. And when I go home, I said to Gary downstairs on the front desk, I said, I'm going to have a couple of pieces of peanut butter on toast. And he looked at me with pity in his eyes and he said, it won't just be two, will it? He said, it'll be half a loaf. And I said, well, I have to be honest. I do have a toaster that takes four pieces. (laughs) And it seems it seems a bit remiss, doesn't it? To just put two pieces of toast in there. But um, four pieces of um, of toasted peanut butter sandwich. It sounds quite delicious, doesn't it? Somebody said you can put cucumber with peanut butter. I've never actually thought about it, but I'm sure I, I will do. Most cash debit cards are also swipe enabled. Look for the little symbol in the corner. Looks like a beehive, says Maddie. Oh, right. I don't... I don't... Oh, right. Wait a minute. Actually, I did see that on somebody's card the other day. I'll tell you who it was. It was James O'Brien, sorry, who said... Um, oh, is this card swipe enabled? And somebody said to him, yes... But I don't think mine is, because I've had this card for a few years. Let's have a look. Is it swipe enabled? No, it's not swipe enabled. Oh, you've got... Oh, no. I d- no, I've got that thing there. Is that that... Like a... Is, is it swipe enabled? I'm swipe enabled. I've moved into the modern... Oh, that's... Oh, right. That's swipe... Is it really? Well, how did they... How long swipe enabled been out then? It's the Wi-Fi symbol. Yeah. It looks like the Wi-Fi. It looks like hearing. Hearing. Oh, right. But I've had this for... Oh, for a year. So, have we... Oh, right. Well, there you go, then. Wait a minute. I wonder if it's on my other card. Oh, it... Oh, right. It's not on my MasterCard. Not on my MasterCard. So, it's only... But I've had that for a few years since... Oh, no, since last year. <laughs> I don't know where I've had these cards from. I don't... Yes, moths. All right, thank you. I don't need that kind of talk on this programme. Moths, honestly. Me, the most generous person in the entire world. So, thank you, Maddie, for that. Thank you for that. At least I'm obviously I'm I'm now sort of I'm up with it. I'm up with it. I, f- I feel a lot better about life. Swipe enabled. Actually, I never use it. Well, I do use it, actually. Uh, Malcolm says, what about greyhounds? Don't they also kill them when they're too old to race? No, there is a, a very famous greyhound rescue place. A friend of mine had a had a greyhound and there's a lady in Twickenham, I see, with a greyhound on a, you know, walking around the um, the roads. And that's quite nice. They they do put them out. Sometimes they do put them down. And that's the bit I don't like about it. But no, a lot of the time they uh, they will try and rehose, re rehose, rehome greyhound. Why would you want to rehose a greyhound? You can imagine. Uh, 84850. Uh, Alison says, don't take your clothes off in public. I remember a Christmas party where your trousers flew off. Oh, no, the worst one was somebody spiked my drink. I can't tell you what I did, but uh, it, it was advised that maybe, maybe perhaps Stephen shouldn't be going to the Christmas parties. I've got a lot better since then, actually. Uh, <laughs> Darren's in Blackpool. Good morning, you poor soul. I have got better. Actually, I could never do the Christmas parties. They're always at the wrong day for me, which is a shame. Banana and peanut butter on toast. Can't better it, says John the cabbie. Banana and peanut butter. Didn't um, Elvis Presley was famous? The, the reason he put on weight, didn't he have peanut butter and jelly, which is their version of jam, sandwiches, deep fried. 
deep-fried peanut butter sandwich. It sounds quite delicious, doesn't it? Although I think you could probably do the same with a toasted sandwich. You know when you get one of those little Breville sandwich makers? You could put... Uh, so sorry. You could, you could put the, the bread on there, and then you could put a dollop of peanut butter in there, and that would be hot peanut butter sandwiches. That's, that sounds quite... Oh, I always do cheese and, and um, tomato. Bit boring. What do you do? Crack an egg in. Oh, right. Oh, right. Oh, egg, oh eggy bread. <laughs> ghastly. I'll tell you what a friend of mine did once. He made his own samosas. He used to make up a mixture of potato with some spices in there and put a little bit in each one and then pull them down. And it makes like a... a see, you try, that'd be a good one. That'd be a good I still think, actually, that's lunch today sorted out. I still think that's quite a nice idea, actually. I must get a Breville. I used to... I miss doing things like that. But then it means I'd eat more bread. And I'm trying to be quite good and not eat, uh, eat much bread. <laughs> Like, that's working. It's uh, 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning of... Uh, morning of everybody. <laughs> you know, some mornings, I say... I'm sure we start again. Start again. It's so ridiculous, isn't it? Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's Tuesday the 14th. That'll, that'll, that'll make the edit, I promise you. Uh, the 14th of July, and it's Bastille Day. Gareth is said, uh, we're up. Jen, baby, Emma and I up are listening. But he's, uh, he, he's still got uh, bad knees from the surgery. My brother's knees are crumbling as well. It's, it's an occupational hazard. I just said you're old. Uh, Liam says, uh, I've just got my coffee, Steve, and you're my papers. Yes, because I always say that... Um, you don't actually need to buy any papers. I feel as like I'm doing a disservice to Fleet Street, and we loosely call it Fleet Street still, because you don't. By the time I finish doing my uh, programme, you don't need to worry about everything, because you will know absolutely everything that is going on in the world. Little Julie's up and uh, ready this morning, which is good news. But uh, I did laugh actually at BBC Two's hairdressing contest. Hair, hair. It's, it's very imaginative. That's why it's on BBC Two. And uh, one of the judges, Denise McAdam. Uh, it says here she even has a royal wedding under her belt. Mysteriously, they neglected to say which royal wedding writes Ian Highland, so I checked her out on Google. Turns out she was responsible for Fergie's hair in 1986. Mystery solved. We used to do hairdressing on my programme on LBC, and we used to use Denise McAdam a long time ago. Long time ago. Um, what was this? Oh, two cyclists on a tandem... We were on a motorway the other day. They may have been on Sunday's Manchester to Blackpool cycle ride. Out of the frying pan into the fire, as I, uh, as I prefer to, uh, to call it. Looking at the uh, Daily Mail today, uh, the father's plea for justice over the three soldiers. Remember this story? They died in blistering heat. They were, they were pushed to the extreme. Corporal James Dunsbury was one of three reservists to suffer fatal heat exhaustion. I have to be honest, I can't cope in the heat at the best of times without carrying stuff on the back. And today the coroner's expected to deliver a damning verdict on the tragedy on the hottest day of 2013. There was a weakness in the system, and it needs to be looked at. I mean, it was it was lucky that six or seven men had not perished. The temperature was 105.8, and they were expected to carry all their kit. I mean, it's and they do push them. They push them a lot. In this particular case, they pushed too much, and uh, three people died. So I think they might have to kind of change the way they do it. I'm not saying they have to loosen up, but they need to check people who are physically fit. It's no good, you know, just because people get fit in the army. They need to check that physically everything is working, that their heart is working at the right rate. Everything is just absolutely perfect. Because I couldn't do anything like that. You know, they need to check what ill... You know, do, do people have a weak heart? Do they have an irregular heartbeat? Are they diabetics? You've got to check all these sort of things. Uh, upwardly mobile. Being upwardly mobile is bad for your health. Poor teenagers who do well in later life uh, age more quickly. 
Oh, right. Interestingly enough, uh, the warning follows a study which tracked 500 black American boys and girls from when they were 17 until they were 22. The youngsters filled in questionnaires designed to measure levels of self-control, a trait believed to be crucial to success. And the study showed that no matter how poor or well-off the family was, the youngsters with high levels of self-control were less aggressive in better mental health, and less likely to smoke, drink or do drugs. However, for the most deprived teenagers, this restraint had a hidden cost. Blood samples taken at 22 showed the cells of the conscientious but poor children to have aged much more quickly. An interesting thing. I mean, sometimes studies are actually worth repeating. They're always, they're always sort of fairly, fairly good. The BBC boss is in the papers today who said you need the voice. Uh, no, we don't. It's rubbish and it's never produced anybody at all. And now... Now you have to pay to pick up your shopping bought online. Uh, The cost of shopping online is rising, as now Tesco follows John Lewis in charging customers who go to the store to pick up their purchases. Later this month, hope you've remembered this, John Lewis will introduce a £2 fee for shoppers collecting website purchases of under £30. So if if you're over £30, then that's fine. Tesco have ruled customers with a £4 surcharge on top of delivery fees for any grocery order under £40 from July 28. So it's only 14 days away. So this raises the minimum spend threshold from £25 and applies both to home delivery and to click and collect. So this is how the delivery charges compare between all the different companies. Uh, Amazon. £20 minimum spend for free delivery. Charges of £2 to £5 on orders under £20. You see, I do that. I don't get charged for these things. Is that because I pay to get free delivery? Ah, that's probably because I pay to get free delivery. John Lewis and Waitrose, no free delivery for purchases online. £2 fee to collect online for purchases under £30. Ocado, fees vary. Minimum spend, 40 quid to have goods delivered. And delivery slots available from £1.99. Tesco, no free delivery. Minimum spend of £25 to have goods delivered. M&S, free delivery with £50 worth of minimum spending. Otherwise, it's £3.50. Sainsbury's, free delivery for orders over £100. Booked for delivery on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday Wednesday and Thursday after 2pm. Morrison's, no free delivery. One, two, three, four and £5 charges, depending on the time slot. Asda, no free delivery. And minimum spend of £25 to have goods delivered. Charges between a pound and £5 for delivery. Good grief. Honestly, it gets more and more expensive, doesn't it? And to actually charge for going to pick something up. doesn't make any sense to me, does it? I don't understand why that would... You know, if you're actually going to pick something up, I feel a bit bit miffed by that. A little bit miffed. Uh, Also nice to have uh, him with us this morning. uh, The Black Cab Poet. He's uh, He's in Cyprus. He says, we came for a wedding, back to reality on Friday. Yes, I don't think there's any... I mean, now I think they've... Are the banks closed till Friday? I believe they were saying that, Michael. I think that there's a report I read in one of the papers today that said um, that the banks are going to be closed until Friday. So make sure that you've got enough money. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, I've just checked my debit cards. I've got that Wi-Fi swipe. Didn't know, says Mark the Trucker. I didn't know either. Seriously, I hope you're all checking your, your debit cards now. To find, it should be on the right-hand side, and it looks like a little... As if it's something for the hard of hearing. Looks like something like that. Interesting. Uh, I've never eaten peanut butter or drunk gin, but only, says Kate, because I can't bear the smell of either. Oh, isn't it funny? I can imagine people not liking the smell of peanut butter. I love it. Admittedly, I'm with you on the gin thing. I, I couldn't do... 
I couldn't do gin. I could never drink gin. People say, oh, a lovely G&T. No, thank you. No, definitely not. And um, Ricky is offering advice with... uh, uh, two eggs, mix three spoons of almond butter, mash a banana, mix together and lightly fry, add pancakes, healthy and delicious. I don't think the frying bit sounds very healthy. I don't think almond butter... Is almond butter healthy? I'm not sure if almond butter is uh, is healthy nowadays. I, lo- I lose track of these things. Everybody now checking their, their debit cards to see if they've got that little symbol on the right-hand side, which means that, uh, that you're one of the chosen people, which I'm quite in favour of, actually. I'm quite excited. I shall never do it. Uh, Steve says, Philip, if the security at Heathrow couldn't stop the protesters getting onto the runway, what would it be like if the third runway gets built and the perimeter gets larger? Yes, there's a, any other, one of a number of houses which disappear around that area. I mean, I live under the Heathrow flight path, and to be brutally honest, it doesn't affect me in the slightest. I don't, you know, the, the planes go over, and the first, for the first sort of week or so, but I've always lived West London, uh, people say, God, do you not notice that? And you go, no, I notice nothing. I'm on a waving sort of kind of situation with the pilots of some of these big planes coming in. No, they come right over, and I don't even think about it. I'm more worried about the security aspect at Heathrow Airport. I'm more worried that um, some ordinary people, and they were very ordinary, they called themselves plain, so that kind of sums it up, plain and stupid. The combination is a, is a winning one, as they chained themselves to railings, and now they found themselves all arrested. So really not going to look so good, is it, on the CV? You know, did so and so and so, got arrested. Got a rest. They all look slightly nerdy and slightly as if they've sort of wandered out of the 1970s. But as I say, I would have chained them up there to the railings. Gone, there you go. And uh, you can keep your own chains on there and you can unlock them. But now we've got you chained anyway. And you could stay there. Leave them there for a week. They won't want to do it ever again. Uh, not a nice story. Uh, Royal Ascot. Um, uh, I'm sure it's terribly popular, Royal Ascot. It certainly was with a man called Andrew Hack. Andrew Hack was caught by security lying down on the grass to film up ladies' skirts and down tops at the race meeting. He'd used the zoom on his high-quality lens to record more than a dozen women. His camcorder captured them as they stood up or sat down at the race meeting. But the married father-to-be... I mean, you can't believe that somebody would be this stupid. He's married. He claimed he filmed the women because he was stressed. He was thrown out of the course by security, who spotted him acting suspiciously. I think, yes, lying on your back with a camera, I think, would be suspicious. Uh, security staff asked the police to approach him, and he was arrested in the car park. Officers studied the footage and found 82 video files on the device's memory card, showing 13 women who had been filmed. The camera was very good quality and could perform extreme close-ups. The majority of the women in the footage were wearing underwear. One official observed images of top bits... On the camera, he'd been using his camera to zoom in and film up skirts and down tops. He admitted a charge of outrageous public decency comes from Didcot. He said he'd been stressed at work and sought a challenge and a thrill. He's a naturist. He's a naturist. He claimed he was unaware he was committing an offence. Right. (laughs) Yeah, Okay. That's that's quite normal behaviour, is it, where you come from in Didcot? I've been to Didcot. I don't remember anything like that happening. Uh, 84850, uk. There's a little picture, and when I first looked at it, I thought, wait a minute, they look slightly odd. It's a picture of somebody who looks like Victoria Beckham, somebody who looks like Gordon Ramsay, and somebody who thinks they look like David Beckham, and somebody who doesn't look at all like Ricky Gervais. It's a new programme coming up on the television. It's called Lookalikes. 
and it follows the careers of impersonators on the books of a talent agency. This is an old one. We've had this before. There was an Elton John lookalike and loads of other people. Nothing new on this. It's on Channel 4. My God, they're about five years out of date. There was a lookalike agency ages ago on people who went out there, you know, dressed as... In fact, I think on one of LBC's... Uh, celebration. It might have been 30 years or 25 years, one of them. Uh, we had lots of lookalikes there. There was a Dell Boy and there was a Patsy and a Dina and loads of other people like that. It was all, it was all fairly good. And so this is an Eastbourne-based company and it follows the careers of impersonators. What do you mean follows the careers? They don't have a career. They, they allegedly look like the person. They turn up. They don't sound like them, so they can't say anything. And they just stand there and somebody goes, oh, can we have our picture taken with you? And they go, yes, you can, actually. You know, no, none of these people, this bloke doesn't look like David Beckham. The Gordon Ramsay doesn't look at all like Gordon Ramsay. And as for Ricky Gervais, doesn't look at all like Ricky Gervais. The Victoria Beckham could pass for Victoria Beckham sideways. Uh, but there's one here, £350 in appearance. But uh, these lookalikes can cost more than £700 for the most popular acts. And we've seen them, the Prince William one. And ha- I don't think I've seen a Prince Harry lookalike, unless the one we've actually got residing inside the royal family is a lookalike. A little bit difficult to tell. And uh, who on earth would want to impersonate, you know, somebody like... I don't know. I suppose there must be a, a, a sort of a lookalike for everybody. For just about everybody. So, in fact, even Eamon Holmes has probably got a, 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 a double out there somewhere. In fact, I just mean, you've got, probably got more than a double. And, uh, and that would be somebody who would go out. But there again, if you were looking to employ somebody as a lookalike, it would be the Elton John, it would be Victoria Beckham, it would be the David Beckhams, wouldn't it? That's who it would have to be to make it interesting. But there's nothing new about this programme. There was a whole series of them done ages and ages ago, because I remember distinctly people going into interview and going, no, you, look at, mm, you don't look like that person, but I think you could look like this person. And so the case of Victoria Beckham, because she's known for wearing dark glasses, always never suiting her face, this person's wearing dark glasses, and it does look like her. When you look quickly, I didn't think that looked like David Beckham at all. It's no good just putting somebody in a flat cap and half unshaven. And the, um, and the Gordon Ramsay one doesn't look at all like Gordon Ramsay. And it's only when you look at them closely. If you look at them very quickly, then they might pass. But the majority of them, no, 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 no. Uh, still to come, I will tell you the story of the £140 million frenzy as 200 flats are sold in just five hours. And also those fraudulent claims to the insurance companies. 350 a day are fraudulent. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 14th of July. My friend Stuart says contactless card if the card is dropped or lost when used in quick succession approximately five times it asks for your pin as a security feature so basically what you're saying is you could use it five times quickly to get money out or pay for goods if you found one of these cards and only after the fifth time will it ask for the pin so in other words somebody could get away with what a hundred pounds more more than a hundred pounds i'm assuming because I, I see it as being quite dangerous so if you go contactless and they just do the thing i've seen people just putting it on there but there's no telling that it could be their card is there there's no security feature built in for that i think it sounds quite dangerous actually do you get a lot you probably get a lot because he's got a fish shop so i should imagine he gets loads of people who, who probably use it but how would you know if it was their card you wouldn't know would you if somebody was just using it there's no sort of record of anything like that Sounds, it sounds even odder, actually. The more I think about it, the more bizarre it becomes. Uh, Martin says, I 
uh, lived in Hampton and went to Hampton School in my early life and we were right under the flight path too. They really didn't bother me, even at exam time. The extraordinary thing was that when the first jumbo jets started flying, they were so big in comparison to the other aircraft, they looked as if they were getting ready to land on the school playing field. They probably were, actually. Yeah, I've never been bothered by the, by the noise of planes. And yet you would think that you would be, but I, I promise you it's, it's never bothered me at all. Uh, birthday wishes for, uh, for young uh, Jan from South Norwood on Sunday. She said, we ended up having a seven-hour lunch in the garden. A seven-hour lunch. <laughs> she says, the second time I've done it this summer so far. She says, I, I find you tend to pace yourself over a long time. So I started off sharing a bottle of Prosecco whilst I made the hummus and went on to Pim's for the rest of the day. She says, do book for the Sky Garden. It's free and well worth a visit. Yeah, this is the Sky Garden we were talking about a short while ago. It does look lovely, actually. I'm terrified of heights. I'm really, I'm really bad on heights. I can't even stand on a... They've given me, out in, the, out in the LBC office, the pigeonhole, which is the tallest, right at the top. I can't reach it without standing on a chair. It's the only way I can get into my own pigeonhole. It's slightly disturbing. I might ask if I can go a little bit lower down. And she says, I love peanut butter and gin, but not necessarily together. And uh, a shout out to Oasis Rylands Primary School in South Norwood, who will be displaying pupils' artwork at Woodside Group Practice from 9.30 this morning which is a lovely way to brighten up a very dull reception area. So well done to Oasis Rylands Primary School in South Norwood. And the Wayside Group practice from 9.30 is going to have lots of things for people to look at because there's nothing you could look at in a waiting room, is there? And sit there staring at the wall. I tend to... I do take my magazines round to them. I give them my, uh, my copies of Country Life and stuff like that. I've not been in there for ages, actually. I'm due a blood test, but I don't... Um, I'm sort of putting it off at the moment. Not really. I'm just trying to trying to find sort of, you know, an excuse not to have it done at the moment. I just don't want to lose another armful. Uh, Paul says the contactless on your card, you can get your bank to disable it. I use mine like a, an oyster on buses. That's what the producer does. It does exactly the same. So it's funny you mentioned blocking people. I have to with idiots on eBay, only for them to reappear with a new name. Oh, I then just block immediately again. Doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't bother me in the slightest. No, click gone. Sort that problem out. And uh, I remember the lookalike agency, says Little Julie, on a few years ago. I think the Elton John lookalike was a London cabbie. Yeah, he was bald, wasn't he? And he wore a, an Elton John toupe. And, and then he looked like Elton John. But, I mean, for Channel 4 to say this is a new programme, it's just ghastly. It's been done before. There's nothing new on the television. There is nothing new on the television. Thank goodness uh, that radio streaks ahead of it. Uh, the £140 million frenzy. 200 flats. And uh, this is, um, you know, Britons are now being locked out of the housing market. And if proof were needed, ladies and gentlemen, here they are. £140 million worth of luxury London flats sold in five hours with half going to wealthy foreigners. This is Main Tower near Canary Wharf. 41 storeys, 297 high-end apartments costing from 655000 And uh, people there uh, from Greece, India, the Middle East... Some were looking for a flat with their children studying at UK universities. Others simply desperate to invest in the London property market. And so they all sold. They haven't actually built them yet. They haven't built the things yet. They've been sold. It's amazing, isn't it? And uh, 90 flats. Oh, sorry, there are 90 flats available. Prices up to 1.34 million for a three-bedroom property. 1.34 million. It's a lot of money, isn't it? But uh, there's a picture of all the people queuing who've obviously got mortgages arranged and having a nice time. There is a terrible picture in the paper today. You'll find it in... Uh, so far, I've only discovered it in the Daily Mail. And it's South Africa's Kruger National Park. Now, you remember... This has now jogged your memory, hasn't it, a little bit. You remember why we mentioned 
on LBC, the uh, Kruger National Park, because this is the park where the American Catherine uh, Chappelle was mauled to death by a lion that dragged her out through a window of the car. They left the window open. They were going through a safari park. There are wild animals. I wouldn't take my car through a safari park anyway. But they, um, they left the window open so she could take a picture. And the lion literally climbed in and dragged her out. And so she died as a result. doesn't seem to have deterred people from going to the park because here's another picture. This time... Uh, many of the tourists, I mean, there, there was one reckless tourist with her arm outside the window. You feel like saying you're going to lose your arm because wandering into the uh, the middle of all these cars as they slowly move through was um, a gazelle. And so people were taking pictures of the gazelle. Oh, look, we've got a gazelle. It's people's opportunity to see animals close up. Well, they got to see this one a bit more close than they imagined because out of nowhere, a lion leapt on top of it in the middle of these cars and then another lion came from behind. The first one grabbed its back. The second one came in and grabbed the throat. They both tackled it because they have to, they have to strangle it. And then they dragged it off. And one woman said, and I think this is the most unusual quote, she said, for me, it was really fascinating to watch a lion hunt. It's a privilege to see it happen and the power of the lions. It was amazing. Yeah, right. I'm sure that uh, poor Catherine Chappell... Didn't think that at all as she was being dragged out of the car. Dear Lord above. I mean, absolutely dreadful. Um, so here it is, the lion that got its dinner from a drive through And the other story, and I, I will bring it to you, the other side of the news, because it's the fraudsters making fake insurance claims. You know, the things like, I got whiplash. In fact, some of the insurance companies even say to you, are you sure you didn't suffer any anything at all? Are you all right? You sure? And you would go, no, I'm fine, actually. I'm absolutely fine. But there are lots of people who decide to cheat, like Wahid Ibkal, who pretended to slip on a wet bag in a Lidl supermarket. He's a fraudster. Uh, he wanted to make a £10,000 claim. Uh, unfortunately for him, because he was a bit dim, it's all captured on CCTV, and it shows him easing himself to the ground in Bradford before calling for help. He's been given a 10-month suspended prison sentence. Stephen Robinson claims £17,000 against his local council for the negligent maintenance of a drain which he said he'd fallen over. However, he was exposed by a YouTube video revealing he sustained his injuries carrying out a stunt in front of a cheering crowd. He was sentenced to 200 hours of unpaid work and a £600 fine. A postman, Bell and Jenny Musumbu, was jailed for 18 months after claiming he'd been left disabled after a car hit the back of the van he was unloading. Uh, Royal Mail paid him £25,000. Insurers placed 292000 in reserve to cover payouts. The scam came apart after Eshaw uncovered a blog containing pictures of Musumba playing the guitar at a music festival. Because once they've got you on file for making an insurance claim, and you do go on a file, make no mistake about it, you know, if a pattern emerges... They're going to be down on you like a ton of bricks. Last year, conmen were caught making fraudulent claims totalling £1.32 billion, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, you know, people who sort of claim that they've sort of f slipped or a car's come into them or whiplash or any of these sort of things, 99% of them are just fraudulent. And it's people who think that they can make claims. Of course, the insurance companies are not quite as gullible as you might think they are. And so now they check things very carefully. And once they've actually checked, they find out. We've seen it in court before. People, there was one man, I think, a short while ago. He'd, uh, he'd, he'd made a claim that he could barely walk. But in fact, they, they pictured him uh, running round the corner from the courthouse. And somebody went, wait a minute. Like we had the guy the other day, the benefit fraudster. 
And uh, he said he, could, he couldn't even walk three steps. And here he is lifting his mobility scooter, which weighs about 17 stone. So, of course, he's a fraud as well. And we have to take away the money from him. And it has to be claimed back. You know, it's uh, as we pointed out earlier on to you, it's exactly the same as the person who was working on Rogue Traders, the motorcyclist, Dan, who was such a part of the programme until we discovered he was just another common benefit fraudster. He'd been earning money and claiming money at the same time. What a silly, silly, foolish person he was. And so he got caught and he got fired. And as I say, that was probably the best thing. Uh, Sad to hear about Loretta's plight says Paul. She had actually said she'd managed to avoid the casting couch until the Gable thing, but reflecting her role as Julia in The Bishop's Wife as a devout Catholic, uh, wouldn't tolerate an abortion. Her daughter died in 2011, 11 years after she did. Uh, Read the cards. My dad's new one arrived two days ago, and seemingly all the new ones being rolled out are enabled. And as far as the voice is concerned, I stopped watching Points of View as I got sick of hearing Danny Cohen shoving it down our throats, telling us we will like it. It's supposed to be our BBC, like the slogan used to say. Why don't they listen to the majority? The majority of people absolutely hate it. And while you're at it, get rid of that girl who does the one show. She's useless. She's got to go. Get rid of anything that involves baking, please. I don't want to see Paul Hollywood or, you know, other people presenting... Honestly, there's so much rubbish on the BBC. But uh, you're quite right. They actually changed Claire Balding's thing because uh, sainted uh, Claire Balding was doing a programme that was so bad, even The Guardian said it was awful. So very quickly, the BBC, not wishing to incur the wrath of The Guardian, changed the programme. And thank God it's all been restored. Claire Balding is a saint again, and we can all worship at the altar of the fact that she's going to get about another 300 programmes. News at six coming up on LBC very, very shortly. The woman bitten bitten by a scorpion she found in Tesco Bananas. You'll need to podcast this programme to find out the horrendous ordeal that we went through this morning. 50 Cent files for bankruptcy. Nothing more stupid than a musician who can't get a record in the charts. The worst-dressed man is, according to everybody in the papers today, Lewis Hamilton, a man and his fading sense of fashion. It's disappeared. Uh, The man plugging in his phone on the train gets charged. Uh, Emma Geddon, they're going to have a disaster in Emmerdale. I mean, most days are a disaster in Emmerdale, but this time it's going to be a massacre and it's going to be worse than the plane crash all those years ago. You know, in Emmerdale's case, when you're driving on the road, look right, look left, look up above you. It's coming in. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's... The teeth right again. It's the station of the year, LBC. It's Tuesday, the 14th of July. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast with you until 6.30. Then Lisa Aziz is here. I found out these contactless cards, which you just sort of swipe over something, there's a limit of £20. So, in other words, you can only do £20, but I suppose you could do that in fairly quick succession. So, you might get £100 out. Some of the cards are going up to £30. So that could be it. That's the reason I've never used it. I wonder why people are using it on the buses. I thought if it was limitless, you could just take loads and loads of money out. The father quizzed over his choice of T-shirt for parents' evening, and most sickies are due to children. All of that and more between now and half past. 
And the man plugged in his phone on the train who got charged. It's quite ridiculous, it really is. And uh, Costa's coffee fix for gardeners. Do you know what? I, I wish more of the coffee shops would do that. The bits that they have left behind. You know when they sort of, they, they, they do the coffee and our Dan, our barista downstairs, he does it as well. And then they empty it into that box. Gardeners can use that. Gardeners can use that. You can put that, that, so after they've actually had the coffee through it, they're never going to use it. They just throw it away. They should bag it all up and give it to gardeners. They used to do it in our local Starbucks, but I haven't seen that for a little while because they must have tons of it every day. Every time somebody has a cup of coffee, there's more and gardeners can use it all the time. So I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. I will tell you, though, now about the uh, the father quizzed over his choice of T-shirts for a parent's evening. I mean, this one just beggars belief. I think he's going to be talking to Nick Ferrari this morning. Uh, he was visited by the police, this father, uh, after he joked about wearing a threatening T-shirt to a parent's evening. Two officers turned up at Martin Gillingham's door to investigate after he shared the image with friends on Facebook. The 47-year-old claims his children's school reported the picture after he clashed with teachers, uh, he says, who took his dyslexic son out of lessons during an Ofsted inspection. Mr Gillingham posted the pictures of the shirt slogan that read, I may seem calm and reserved, but if you mess with my kids, I will break out a level of craziness that will make your nightmare seem like a happy place. Underneath the post, he wrote, I think I might wear this to the next parents' evening. He said, I posted the picture of the T-shirt as a laugh. I thought it was quite humorous, and having had trouble with the school before I added the comment, the complaint was that it was a threatening message and had pictures of guns on it. The police officer wouldn't tell me who'd made the complaint, but I think it was a teacher at my children's school. The officer came across as apologetic. I understand it's normal police procedure, so they have to investigate. But even the officer who visited me told me he thought it was nothing more than banter. Quite clearly a very sensible policeman. Mr Gillingham, who lives in Westbury in Wiltshire with his wife Lisa and their five children, Jordan, Joseph, Jamie, Samuel and Bethany. He claims the problems with uh, Matravers School in Westbury began when the school decided to hide away Jamie during an Ofsted visit in February. Simon Riding, headmaster of Matravers School, last night said he was not prepared to comment on the claims, adding... As a school, it is vitally important that we focus our time on the education of our students. A Wiltshire police spokesman said the matter would not be taken further. Dear, nothing worse than pompous headmasters. You're not snooty. But uh, the police obviously going, this is just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. And of course, everybody agrees. Every single person agrees. Uh, apparently, Maddie says you have no choice on contactless. It's automatic on, on many debit cards. Well, I mean, you don't have to use it. I mean, I've, I've got the card with me. And so I've never, I've never, I didn't even know that thing was on there until I looked at it a moment ago. Because the producer went, there it is. I went, oh, right. And discovered it. Uh, Mark, the milkman in Hemel, says somebody crashed into my car last year. And my eldest had a slight mark on his neck from the seatbelt. And without us knowing, they sent a cheque for over £300. But the insurance just kept on asking, are you sure you haven't hurt your neck? Are you sure? Are you sure? He said, and then they said, well, if you wake up and decide it hurts, ring us and let us know. They were insistent. I had a neck problem. In the end, I had to say, no, I'm fine. I'm not the kind of person to play ill. Uh, all, all they do, that's how they make their, uh, their money. That's how they make their, their money. Uh, how do you expose benefit cheats? Oh, it's easy. There is a benefit fraud um, hotline. A benefit fraud hotline. I'm just trying to see if, actually, if, I, if I've got the number on my uh, telephone. And it's if you suspect somebody of... Um, of cheating the system, which, of course, you probably do. Uh, no, I don't have it on this phone here, but it's it's called the Benefit Fraud Hotline, and you phone up, 
and quite anonymously, you just give the details and they then investigate somebody. So it's uh, it's a fairly straightforward thing to do. Not very difficult. I didn't see the one show last night. They had Tommy Steele on. He's going to be playing Glenn Miller on stage. Yes, I, I'd heard that, actually. I had heard that. And uh, a colleague who will only work part-time so he can claim family credit also works cash in hand somewhere else. Oh, people do this all the time. People do it all the time. You, you can get them exposed. It's not difficult. And you just uh, you just phone up this number, give the details of who it is, and that's it. I saw a... I was down... Where was I? Next to the, uh, the Savoy the other day. And there's a leather shop there. And they've got in the window... And I was intrigued. I didn't go in and ask. I should have gone in and asked. And it looked like a little leather wallet... And there was a credit card that kept rising out of it and sinking back into it again, rising out and sinking back in. And I looked at it thinking, is that just demonstrating that you can hold credit cards in there? Or has it got a little electric motor? I was fascinated either way. I was fascinated either way of this thing. And I kept looking at it and I couldn't remember how much it was. I was just intrigued by this this credit card that kept going up and down in it. So presumably it was like a little credit card case. But then most people, and I include myself, have got wallets now that hold credit cards and all your all your other little bits and pieces. You don't want something else, do you, on top of that? Well, I hope you don't. Uh, very sad for Robin Lee. Uh, Robin Lee was arrested on suspicion of, wait for this, of stealing electricity because he charged his iPhone on a train. Now, I don't know whether you've been on the trains. I don't know whether in your part of the country they operate the same as uh, we have some down here, where they've got plug points, which are next to the seat, and you just plug yourself in. Anyway, he was handcuffed and taken away in a police van after an officer spotted him using a plug socket on the London Overground. It was supposed to be for cleaners' use only. Mr Lee added, a a community support officer, uh uh-oh, came up and said, I couldn't use the plug and that I was stealing electricity and should be arrested. I am a community support officer. I am a plastic policeman. It's, Mr. L- Mr. Lee says, I thought it was a mistake and tried to make light of it, but she said, oh, she said, oh, God, female community support officers. And she says, I was abstracting electricity. As we pulled up at the station, there were four police officers on the platform. They were being very aggressive. They were saying, we can arrest you for this. And I just went, OK, arrest me. And they did. <laughs> this is British Transport Police, based in Islington in North London, where he was de-arrested before being immediately arrested again for unacceptable behaviour. Don't mess with those community police officers. The little women are rough. They're rough. I'm going to have you arrested. I am a police officer. <sighs> He said the incident on Friday was just ridiculous and a complete waste of police time. I completely agree with him. There were no signs on display saying the public couldn't use the plug and my phone couldn't have been on charge for five minutes. British Transport Police said we were called to Camden Road, London Overground Station for a report of a man becoming aggressive when challenged by a PCSO about the use of a plug socket. Oh, grow up for God's sake. He was using it and said, four police officers on the station. I'm sorry, I think I'm going to be attacked. I'm a PCSO. I'm on a train with a man who's got an iPhone. He's armed with an iPhone and a plug. God, blimey, honestly. How do these people ever get through? How do they pass anything? How do they ever pass anything? And so a report of a man becoming aggressive. So, he says, so when he gets there, they, they were saying, we can arrest you for this. And you go, I'd say the same. Go on, arrest me then. Make yourself look like complete bozos. Oh, blimey. Just make a mental note where they are. British Transport Police based in Islington. Quite clearly, they've got some very odd people working down there, haven't they? I might, I might, I might plug in a, a fruit machine or something. 
you imagine if you could plug in a fruit machine on the train? They go, what are you doing? I'm plugging in a fruit machine. Actually, I don't even know what that line is. This sort of overground line. How can espadrilles cost £700? I didn't know what espadrilles were. They're like shoes you slip on. They're a bit like sort of cheap shoes. Well, these ones aren't. These are Chanel's espadrilles. £700 a pair. I mean, honestly, they must think you're an idiot, ladies and gentlemen, at Chanel. They'll pay it. It's Chanel. It's got Chanel on it. £700 for a pair of espadrilles. How mad is that? Now, I will give you a time check, because I know this is a very important time check for you. It's just coming up, barring a few seconds, to quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is the time. Jane's lying in hospital. Listening, she says, you're a lifesaver. I get a lot of people in hospital and in care homes as well. (laughs) And Michael says, uh, this uh, contactless card uh, acts as an Oyster card as well. How good is that? Yeah, I do have um, an Oyster card. And uh, a friend of mine's got that that free one. Uh, Liam says, isn't it odd? The police can turn up for a T-shirt, but not for a car crash in Scotland for three days. Yes, I agree with you. This was the disgraceful situation of a car that had an accident. They'd called 999. The driver died in the crash. The woman next to him uh, was still alive for three days, but subsequently, because the police never turned up for three days, she died as well, uh, which is uh, which is not good. Uh, Brad says, apparently, uh, I saw something on the uh, the television. The scammers have a high-tech gadget that they can bump into and take 20,000 off your card. Or 20 pounds, actually. 20,000. It would be a miracle, wouldn't it, if somebody actually had... £20,000 on their card. Caroline says, read the, uh, the plug socket and the, the aggressive little PCSO. You can, just, you can just picture her, can't you? I can picture her now. I can picture her now. There she is. I am a plastic policewoman, and uh, I've just seen you taking electricity from here. Good God in heaven. You know, meanwhile, as Caroline says, in another part of London, a proper crime is happening, and no police are available because there's five of them now standing on a platform. There's a little PCSO on the train saying, I'm going to arrest you. So they do. I mean, you've never heard anything so stupid in your life because he plugged his phone in on something that was meant for the cleaners but there was no sign on it saying it's meant for the cleaners you just saw a plug socket and plugged it It was there for about five minutes how much that have cost 20 pence dear god honestly they need to train police a little bit better if you're going to send out plastic policemen for god's sake send out the ones with a modicum of intelligence please um apparently uh, the scorpion and tesco go wild in the aisles or supermarket creeps thank you and apparently in stoke-on-trent land we've just taken delivery of something called a checkbook wow he says, and would you like to see my complete back catalogue of Jive Bunny 45s? I used to love Jive Bunny. I was quite happy with that, actually. Uh, my uh, understanding is that the abstraction has to be dishonest. I would sue for unlawful arrest, says Mark. Well, I mean, to be quite honest, it's just lo- the whole thing is ludicrous. He plugged in his phone to charge it up on something that was meant for the cleaners, and I'm a PCSO, and I've seen you doing it. The PCSO, of course, didn't pay to be on the train, unlike the person who was actually on there. Uh, Bill says, since most mass exits from soaps are unbelievable, why not have an alien abduction from Emmerdale? Yeah, they're going to have some... They haven't revealed exactly what it is that they're going to do, but they're going to have sort of a few people dying, like anybody cares. Like anybody cares. I mean, it doesn't really make any difference in soap land. I mean, Emmerdale, they're all interchangeable, aren't they? I'm assuming that most people, you know, if you're not in this soap, then you wander into another one. They all end up poor souls except Daniela Westbrook, in Hollyoaks. They have to get rid of her because she's just, seriously, she's kind of fallen off the edge of the rainbow, hasn't she? The rainbow has, has closed behind her, and there is no way to go back, I'm afraid. She's just given up completely. Bit of a waste of space. Sunday papers exposing her for sending rude pictures of her body parts to some bloke who she didn't even know. 
nothing worse is than somebody who really is in another in another place altogether, which thankfully isn't the place that we're in. Uh, Steve, randomly, I've just got back from being on call, says Tara. Left YouTube music on and somehow it got into the Spice Girls and just reminded me why Victoria is near intolerable. On a different note for the police, I've had to alert them to the very existence of pace for some years, nor were they aware of Bernard Hogan, how not to. Christmas time, you know, time to start preparing. Uh, she says, PCSOs have no power of arrest. He was only plugging his phone in. It's not like it was anything really serious, is it? That's, that's the embarrassing thing about it. You can just, I can just imagine. I bet she's shorter than the average. She'll be shorter there, and she's there, and I'm, 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 I'm going to be a policewoman. And, and you're under arrest because you took electricity. It is the dumbest thing ever. Uh, Melanda says, uh, don't use it on the con. I use mine in M&S. And the cashier said it hadn't gone through, so I did it again and ran home to find the charge was added twice. Much harassment and telephoning bank stores and everything else. I thought it only did so much a day, doesn't it? Does it do so much a day, Will? Or is it each transaction? twenty Right, £20 per transaction. So there you go. I've had that before, and I always they say, oh, it hasn't gone through, and I think, has it? And I always check afterwards anyway. You should always check. Always, always, always check. Uh, Martin says, uh, like you, I would not take my car to a safari park. Reason being, I mean, you know, monkeys clambering all over it and sort of doing dreadful things. And uh, he says, I wrote to Top Gear, suggesting it might make an interesting experiment for one of their episodes. No surprise, no reply. One of these uh, monkeys decided to climb up the bonnet of my BMW. I accelerated forward briefly, then braked suddenly and delighted to watch it slide straight off. We made our excuses and left. I know. I mean, they, they, they can take metal trim. Monkeys, they're very dexterous. Uh, coming up on our free podcast for today, poor old Lydia Dim is in uh, Towie, still going out with that useless waste of space. Little James Argent. Poor little James. Anyway, she's only 25, and again, you know, the woman with no sense of fashion, but apparently there's somebody new in Towie called Verity Chapman. She's been named as the most hated girl in Essex. Well, as I haven't seen the programme, I don't know, but I looked at a picture of her. My God, she's ugly too. I didn't realise it was actually possible to be badly dressed, be ugly, and be hated. But apparently, there she is. Verity Chapman and Pete Wicks. She's only been in for two episodes, and um, they say she's a new face. She needs to get new legs and a new outfit. Quite ghastly. So we'll have those uh, stories for you on the free podcast. And if you want to know how to get hold of the free podcast, which I know you do, then you go to the LBC website and you can download the LBC app. And that works for Android and for iPhones as well. And um, and then it, it's sent to you for free. And then we have another another podcast for you up, which means that the producer will work his little socks off and take out the news, the travel and uh, the adverts. And then you just get the programme. And then you suddenly realise why everybody's listening to LBC. Uh, Steve, many electric trains have sockets at the end of the coach. You'd be a fool to use them for normal electronic items because the power surge can render your phone or laptop useless. And they are signed accordingly. Well, this one wasn't. This one wasn't. Uh, PCSOs are commonly known as chimps. Can't help in most police situations, says Phil. <laughs> uh, Steve says, Andrew, I can see Lewis Hamilton buying those Aspadrills. I know. Lewis Hamilton, it's now turned into the fashion faux pas, the fashion joke, ladies and gentlemen. People are now pointing and laughing at poor old Lewis, who really, because he's so dull and boring, he can't actually retaliate. So people just go, what are you wearing? You know, if I was a photographer, I'd be going, OK, take it. Oh, Lewis, what are you, who sold you this rubbish? What are you wearing that for, mate? You look ridiculous. You're a racing driver. God, how old are you? 12? 13? Lewis Hamilton is 30. 
Mentally, I suspect, judging by some of the outfits he's wearing, it's uh, ghastly. Sue said, I need a resting. I plugged my mobility scooter in at Morrison's while I I ran in the store. They unplugged it shortly afterwards and my battery ran out before I got home. I don't shop in Morrison's anymore. I quite like the I'm going to plug in my phone somewhere on a, on a train soon. That's it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. I think we've uh, we put the world to rights. We shall put the world to rights with our free podcast very shortly. So you can download the LBC app and you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. Whether you're in hospital, on holiday or taking off to paradise. It makes no difference. Seven o'clock this morning. It's Nick Ferrari. I'm Steve Allen. Back tomorrow morning at four. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. But next... Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.